Across the UK, online and on DAB. Access all radios. Talk radio. Give it some lip. Talk radio. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I find myself... Um, I find myself arguing with someone on Facebook, but not even someone who's interacting with me on Facebook. Oh, man. Um, we're going to do another show without uh, texts, emails, Periscope or Twitter tonight, because I enjoyed it so much last night. We've got Glenn Berger coming up at the top of the show. You don't know who he is, but in about three minutes' time you will, and he's worth knowing. I'm Ian Lee. This is Talk Radio. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. I remember in the sixth form common room, geez, we must be talking 26 years ago, 27 years ago, 26 years ago. Um, my friend Rod, Rodrigo Fuentes Corradi, he was, um, his dad was a, um, a political refugee from Chile. Um, uh, he was my friend then. He, we, we got into a fight uh, later today and he, he knocked me flat on my back with one punch. 
Um, but I remember him, he was obsessed with Paul Simon, obsessed with Paul Simon. And he brought in, in the sixth form common room, the album, Paul Simon in Concert, live rhyming. No G, it's an apostrophe. And, um, we kind of dug it. We kind of dug it. it. It's a good album. It's a good live album recorded in the early seventies. Um, and it kind of catches Simon, you know, being a little bit, um, a little bit loose in some places. It's a great concert. Didn't really think anything of it. And then recently, the last couple of years, I've really got into Simon and Garfunkel, and I've just ordered a Paul Simon box set of solo stuff. Um, and I've, I've kind of been awakened to the beauty that is Simon and Garfunkel. And I got round to listening to this album again, the, the Paul Simon live rhyming. I thought, this is a cracking, this is a cracking little concert. This is a great live album. Thought nothing of it for a few weeks. Then, um, about six weeks ago, in a record collector magazine, I saw a review of a book, which I thought, this is going to be right up my strasser. Never say no to a rock star in the studio with Dylan Sinatra, Jagger and more by Glenn Berger. Um, and it got an absolutely blinding review in Record Collector. And I trust that magazine. I trust that a lot. Um, and I got in touch with the publishers and, um, I got a copy and, um, I read it. I devoured it. I finished it yesterday, actually. And, um, it's a treat. And it mentions that album, that live concert album, the Paul Simon live concert album. It not only mentions it, well, it completely destroys it um, in in, a, in a, an absolutely beautiful way. I'm really pleased to say that um, Glenn Berger is on the line now from the States. Evening, Glenn. Hey, Ian. <laughs> I'm always surprised when it's Skype at how clear it is. It's, it's like you're next door. It's beautiful. Um, I absolutely okay. loved your book, by the way. Well, th- thank you for writing it. It's a joy. Um, thank you so much. All right, listen, I know that most live albums, they they might go in and redo a little bit of the bass, or maybe the, the vocals are off a little bit, so they'll go and sweeten the backing vocals. But um, the torture that you went through in the early 70s, working in a, um, a New York recording studio, appeasing the ego of Paul Simon to get that live, in inverted commas, album... Um, it sounded like an absolute nightmare. Indeed. You know, I, one lesson that I learned from working on that record was how much artifice it took to make something seem real. Um, and, Which may and, say something about the, the election that's going on in America <laughs> right now. <laughs> it, does, it does tie in. But it's, um, it, it, it's incredible. How much... And listen, I know, I know you've got a book to sell, so I don't want all the stories from the book. Don't worry, I'm not going to push in all those. But I wondered how much of that album, that entire live album, w- w- was, was genuine. Was any of it genuinely live in concert? Well, the, in the beginning it was. Uh, we took, uh, Paul spent weeks listening to uh, recorded performances from all over the United States. Um, and he didn't like a complete performance pretty much from any uh, uh, any of the concerts. So we took a, con- a, a, a chorus from this concert and a verse from that one and, and put that together with a third. And, and that was the first thing that we did to kind of, kind of structure these songs. And then on a song like Me and Julio... Uh, if Paul didn't like his vocal, he just redid it in the studio as if we were doing a studio album, and he might do the vocal five, six, seven, eight wow. times, wow. and we would take a, a word from here and a sentence from there and, and a line from another place. So, uh, And then, of course, all the uh, uh, applause we had to fake as well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, and that 
that's the thing that got me, right? Because I knew that people go, and I, I hate to admit it, but I know that most live albums, there's a lot of studio trickery that goes in. Hey, I'm a yeah. fan of Kiss. I know all their live albums are, are done in the studio. But yeah. that was the thing that got me, Glenn, was, was the applause is fake. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and uh, we wanted to create the illusion that it was a concert. Uh, because the songs were not necessarily in the order that that he did them in, and we had we had a wonderful uh, reel of tape that had many different kinds of applause. So if we wanted warm, tender applause, or screaming frenzy, or whatever kind of nonsense uh, they wanted between the songs, we would we would put it in there. And you have to remember that at that time, Ian, uh, despite the fact that we're talking on Skype now, that all of that was done with with razor blades yeah. and tape. And we had to use multiple tape machines, uh, four, four tape machines at a time, just to create those crossfades from one song to the other with whatever fake applause we were using for that. You're right. That's, I mean, that stuff is, uh, anyone can do that now with a half decent laptop and, and, and exactly. a free program online. You just, you just right. drag it all over. But there's, there, there are a few instances in the book where, um, you know, you nervously approach the tape with a razor blade after being up all night and, you know, and, and, and making that incision. Indeed, indeed. And there were times that, that I hit my finger instead of the, the tape and wondered what that red stuff was that was <laughs> dripping down the, down the, and, and it was particularly scary as a, as an 18 year old kid when I had Phil Ramone, who was co-producing that record and yeah. was my mentor and the owner of A&R Studios and a world class, uh, legendary producer engineer who was also a monster. And he was on one side of me and, and, and little Paul Simon, who could be extraordinarily intimidating standing on the other side of me watching my hands as i cut the tape trying to keep it steady as it went across the the cutting block so that was you know that was certainly good training should we call it you um you didn't like paul simon did you i can't say that i really liked paul very much no there's, I, I, I can't find the page but there's the brilliant bit in the book where you just say that he was a prick basically <laughs> and, well, um, you know the thing is, first of all, let me say that Paul, as you have been noting recently, listening to Simon and Garfunkel, mm. he was a brilliant artist and an extraordinary songwriter and and really put all of his heart and soul into every every recording that he made. And, and, and though we're, we're kind of joking about the live album, it was his quest to make yeah. something really great that led him to, to do all of that. And, and there are other people who do put out live albums that are live, so I, I wouldn't want it to sound like everybody does no. that. Paul was a singular artist in that way. So he made wonderful contributions to our culture. And, and certainly, as compared to uh, the guy who's running for president here, he's, he's not a bad guy. But I'm just, I'm, I wasn't the one who called him a prick. I'm just corroborating what other people have said uh the guy from los lobos called him uh the world's biggest prick in fact he called himself in in the movie that he made one trick pony yes, yes he does he yeah. has a character refer to the character that paul simon's playing saying he's a real little prick so whether he's the biggest prick or the littlest prick whatever it is you know he, think, other people have just called him a prick i, I just think, i think agreed. i think we've reached our limit on the number of times we can say that word <laughs> How Am did... I getting bleeped out? No, 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 no. But I do... <laughs> I'm just getting worried looks from my producer going, I think we've got enough there. <laughs> um, Glenn, how did you get into it? Because it, it sounded, it, I'll be honest, for a, a lot of your job, yeah. sounded awful. You know, the fear the, um, the, that was brought on by working for tyrants and also a little bit of, the, you know, the cocaine fear that was going on, the, right. um, the shouting, the abuse. How, how did you get into it and why did you want to get into it? Why did I want to get into it? Well, of course, I wanted to make records. Yeah. I mean, isn't that what we all wanted to do? I mean, at that time, that was 
that was the glory. And and uh, when I listened to records when I was a little kid, I just thought that's that's what I want to do. And uh, I had the opportunity to be an intern at this extraordinary studio, A&R in New York, legendary place, uh, run by that guy, Phil Ramone. And uh, my first job there was Schlepper. Uh, A&R had two studios. One was at 7th Avenue and 52nd Street in Manhattan. The other was at 48th between 8th and 9th. And New York at that time was, and during the 70s, was an extraordinarily dangerous place. Mm. And it was my job to push a hand truck filled with audio tapes from one studio to the other without getting mugged or having the tape stolen or getting hit over the head with an axe or whatever could possibly happen on that on that crosstown walk. And, and I just uh, dreamed of getting up to the studio uh, and to become an assistant engineer. And, and Ramon was the scariest engineer. He would have his hand-picked uh, engineer, uh, assistant that he alone would work with. And I, I never thought that I could ever get to that point where I would work with, with him. Yeah. The legendary stories that I heard were, were terrifying anyway. But the day came where his assistant wasn't available and uh, nobody else was around. Uh, I was told I had to cover the session. I called my mom to say goodbye because I knew I was going to die that night. <laughs> but somehow I made it through the session without screwing up one time. It was the first time that I'd gotten through a session without screwing anything up. And the next day I walked into the studio and all the other guys in the office were razzing me and saying, oh, you're Ramon's boy now, huh? And I said, get out of here. I just did one session. And then the studio manager said, oh, no. And he called me over to the to the scheduling book and the other assistant's name was erased. Wow. And my name was on all of Ramon's sessions. And we were working with Paul Simon all day on that live album and an unknown artist named Phoebe Snow at night. Mm. Uh, and Phoebe ended up having a hit record uh, with that album uh, with a song called Poetry Man. So that was... Um, and what, you, you're, well, you were a kid. What were you, 18, 19? 18, 18 years old, yeah. Wow. I mean, what a, what a thrill to be, you know, in the early 70s when, when music and rock music was still magical, you know, and, and, and these, these Paul Simons, these Mick Jaggers, they were, they were huge mythical creatures it must have yes. been i mean what did you did you were you aware of just what an amazing position you were in absolutely especially when when i did get to work with uh, mick jagger we were uh, remixing uh, some live recordings of his for uh, a radio show that was here in the states called the King Biscuit Flower Hour. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah, show. yeah, we, I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they would they would broadcast live performances, and 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 the Stones had recorded some uh, concerts in Brussels in '73. Uh, it was, and many people say that those that was the Stones at their peak. Mick Taylor was still playing guitar, and Keith had not descended into the worst of his mm. heroin addiction yet. But Mick didn't think that they were good enough for an album, so we were mixing it for this uh, th- this live broadcast, and and basically. Basically, all of my friends stopped speaking to me at that point because they just hated me for the fact that I was spending my days with with Mick Jagger. And and I was a huge Stones fan. And and, uh, so, yeah, I certainly knew uh, that that I was in the presence of the greats. What is beautiful about your book, what I like about your storytelling is... um, you're so good with words, and you you really paint the picture of what it's like being in those smoky studios um, delightfully. And 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 the the, the description of of um, of Jagger, you know, yeah. is this kind of this, this beautiful, you know, man that even though you're straight, you, you know, yes. you you would have sat with him if he'd have asked you. You know, this this incredible creature just yeah. singing for you. It really is a great description. 
Yeah, yeah, he was really such a beautiful guy inside and out. And, you know, um, it's like going on vacation somewhere. You you go someplace for four days and it's a typhoon and you think it's horrible or the weather is beautiful and you think it's great. So I don't know what he's really like as a person every day. But certainly the measure for us in the studio, of course, was how he treated the guy at the bottom, how the stars would treat the guy at the bottom of the totem pole. Yeah. And Mick was extraordinarily kind to me as the assistant engineer on that project. He called me Jinja because I had long <laughs> hair at the time. And he'd come in the studio and he would box me and tousle my hair and I would just immediately ascend to Nirvana. I mean, this was how – could, how could you get better than that? Mm. And uh, yeah, and on the last day uh, – he came into the studio early. It was a Saturday morning. I was alone in the control room setting things up, and we listened to what we were going to do next, and he said he didn't like the lead vocal on that, another fix on a live recording, uh, and asked to set up a microphone like he would use in concert. So I set up what was called an SM57, and he went out in the studio and sang Honky Tonk Women just for me. <laughs> Oh, man, you know, listen. And when it was done, he said, that one's for you, Ginger. <laughs> Ginger! I'm not even, I'm not even a massive Stones fan, Glenn, but I, I, that would have, um, would have just destroyed me. Glenn, are you getting that strange echo on the line? I got that just for a second. Has it gone? It's gone. Okay, good, good. Because we, sometimes we get an echo. We've got this weird system where sometimes we get a bit of an echo. Um... It really is a different world, isn't it? You know, in terms of the, the, the drugs being free and easy there, the, the kind of attitude of the rock stars, the money that was involved in the music industry, it, it, it's a foreign country, isn't it, compared to what it's like now? Oh, sadly, you know, we, we, there were, the, the cocaine budget was probably bigger than what the average record costs today you know that the money is is absolutely gone and it's it's unfortunate but also people were making a lot of money mm. so uh, we were selling a lot a lot of records at that time and uh, yeah the money was quite free free flowing in fact if you think about it studio uh the the, co- the studio cost about 200 dollars per hour in 1975 yeah yeah if you think about what that would be today mm. uh it would be in the thousands of dollars per hour uh, and and people just paid that those rates because uh, you needed all that real estate. Now, as you said, you could do it all on your laptop. So, uh, what was um, Karen Carpenter like? Because I was I'm old enough. I'm I'm 43, but I'm old enough. Years and years ago, just before Karen passed away, the Carpenters came over to the UK, and I was in the audience of a TV kids TV show where the Carpenters were on. They were like answering questions, and I was sat. I don't know, six, seven feet away from Karen Carpenter. Me, I was nine years old, you know, and I didn't really know who she was. I knew she was a singer my mum liked. But even at nine years old, there was, there was something, you know, I, I could recognise there was some, what we would, we would have called in the old days the X factor. There was something mysterious about her. What was she like to work with? She, um, I also was not a big Carpenters fan. I thought their music was pretty corny. Uh, it wasn't the kind of stuff. I was into... John Lennon and Brian Eno and things like that mm. at, at that time, and uh, loving the English stuff. By the way, that was that was what I was fascinated. You're welcome. By. Uh, <laughs> but Karen uh, really blew me away with her voice. She had this this extraordinary angelic quality, and her her 
ability, her vocal ability was extraordinary. She would sing perfectly every time, in tune, gorgeous tone, uh, could sing anything that anybody wanted her to sing. But unfortunately, she was she was very, very ill. She had anorexia. Mm. She weighed basically nothing. And she was also a, a little strange in that she was not unlike Michael Jackson, completely um, obsessed with Disney. Right, okay. So she was she was very childlike in that same kind of kind of way and um you know, it was a very sad thing that happened to her and and, and certainly that was another example of uh, Paul Simon uh not being too great of a guy because uh we were she's Karen was in New York recording her first solo album away from her brother for the first time Richard who was nursing a quaalude habit back in California at the time and she was clearly very ill and she was working with a brand new production team uh in fact uh, the writer of the of the songs was Rod Temperton oh, who recently course. passed away yeah 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 of course Fa- right? great songwriter right right uh, did all, a lot of the Michael Jackson mm. stuff as well we were working with with that team and Phil Ramone was was producing and uh, she was kind of going in this sort of disco direction, or he was taking her in that direction. And Paul came in and asked to listen to some songs. I don't think he knew Karen uh, particularly well. And when Paul was finished listening, he just turned to Karen and said, Karen, this stuff is awful. This is You're making a terrible mistake. And you could just see her with her. And, wow. and maybe he was right musically. But from a human point of view, you know, I'm a psychotherapist now. Yeah. And, and I can't imagine something that would be more destructive and humiliating than than doing something like that especially with somebody who was clearly in a in a tremendous amount yeah. of psychological distress and you know that album wasn't released for for many many years it was um, finally released some years ago but uh, you mentioned you're a psychotherapist now and this yeah. as, as someone who goes to see psychotherapists and counselors and various things throughout my life I wondered various things. Well, but I go, I'll go and see anything if it's if it's right. going to stop me jumping off the ledge. I'm going to go and right. see them. I, I wondered how you got into that, uh, Glenn. How you made that transition from from music? You know, really successful music career, working on movies and uh, with with some of the biggest stars in the world, Sinatra and Dylan. How you made the decision and how easy it was to make the decision to to go into a completely different career. Well, my my glib answer to that is that I worked with so many crazy people in the music business yeah. that I thought that I had most of the training that I needed <laughs> to to become a psychotherapist, and and to a certain extent that was that was true. A big part of of our job was a sort of board side manner. Yeah. You know, it was really to make the to understand the artist and the under, and the artist mentality, uh, and to make them feel uh, as comfortable as possible because that was going to be the that was that's really the secret sauce to getting a great performance out of an artist it's not that the technical wizardry or the equipment that you use it's really a psychological it's an emotional thing if you can make a connection with that artist mm. uh, and make them feel brilliant then you will get the best out of them and and ramon was absolutely extraordinary at, at doing that and i learned a lot uh, from watching how he did that so uh, so certainly I got to work with a lot of crazy people and, and that, that, that helped me. But, you know, I got to a point where, uh, the, the part of the, the music thing that I loved was, uh, that magic that you're talking about and the people, the people I would work with dozens and dozens of musicians and singers every day, uh, working on movie soundtracks and records and, and jingles and all kinds of stuff. And when it became one person sitting in front of a laptop, mm. it just stopped being really interesting to me. And and I also promised myself that um, I, I would know when to hang up my spikes. It's a young man's game. 
Uh, I saw a lot of people come before me who hung on too long. A couple of people, you know, can make it for a really long time. Uh, but I think in, in most cases, uh, it, it really is a better thing left to the young. And, and I wanted to do something where people appreciated me more as I got older mm. instead of, instead of less. So, uh, I work with a lot of artists now. I work with a lot of musicians and actors and, and fine artists. And uh, and one reason I think they work with me is because I really understand what they're going through, and I understand it from the inside, uh, having been in that in that business so long. So now I get to work with them in a in, a, in another way. Do your um the, you brilliantly describe your 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 kids kind of sort of a, a, a little bit of interest when you pull these old tapes down from from the attic and you get the big reel to reel tape player, and yeah. and as kids do, I don't know how old your children are, but within within a couple of minutes, if something isn't happening instantly, yeah, they're off. Right. Do, 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 how old are your kids? And do, do they get it now? now the, the, I'm guessing the book was written a couple of years ago. Do, the, do, do they get how cool their dad is, was, is? <laughs> I, can't, I, I would always tell them, you know, your dad was a major cat. And they would roll their eyes, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> old, you, you old whatever. Yeah. But uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I had this extraordinary experience, uh, the book release party that we did. I, I did a reunion of all of the studio cats, the New York studio cats from oh, those fantastic. days. I had a place called The Cutting Room here in New York, and we had over 40 musicians and singers who so generously volunteered to participate in this thing. We did it as a benefit for Music Cares, which is a great charity yeah. uh, through the Grammy organization that helps musicians in need, and uh, it was a sold-out show. Uh, Paul Schaefer was there with the world most, World's Most Dangerous Band uh, from the David Letterman mm. show, and Valerie Simpson sang uh, her, her hit song, Ain't No Mountain High Enough, and it was just an amazing, amazing night and i brought the kids there and, I, and there was a certain point where i brought them up on the stage and i think in that moment it clicked they got it yeah they <laughs> saw but it. i had to put that together <laughs> to get it through their heads it is funny isn't it you know I, I, you do wonder if paul mccartney's kids you know when they were growing up they were embarrassed by their dad you know because exactly. that's what that's our job as dads that's what we do right dad stop singing <laughs> Um, Glenn, it's such a good book. I, listen, I don't expect you to kiss and tell, but how good a kisser is Bette Midler? <laughs> what the hell were you thinking, man? What were what you thinking? thinking? What was I thinking? Yeah, so uh, when, again, I was 18, 19 years old, I was assisting, I had to deliver a cassette to Bette. She was living down in Greenwich Village at the time, and something popped into my head that I thought, since I have to deliver the tape, why don't I ask her out on a date? Oh, man. Life. The bravery and, of youth, I love it. Or, or the foolishness, yeah, yeah, or both. Yeah. And uh, and she said yes. And and of course, I hadn't thought through what was actually going to follow mm. that. So uh, she was very, very charming and smart and funny, and and we had a really, really nice time. And and went out to dinner and. Then went back to her little apartment and drank some Chablis and listened to a little Marvin Gaye and danced. And wow. then she asked me if I wanted to watch TV. And I said, okay. And I didn't realize that her little black and white TV was in her very small bedroom. Oh. And the only thing in the bedroom was her bed <laughs> and the TV. What was on TV at the time, by the way, was Monty Python, which uh, was the first time I saw. It was a night of many firsts, yeah. let me say. <laughs> yeah. And because I, I, I didn't know what Chevly was either. I was so far out of my depth. And the next thing I knew, there I was um, kissing Bette Midler. And there there were those famous Bette Midler breasts. Yep, and, yep. And, 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 um, and, and then I was caught in a bind. 
because I didn't know what the right thing was to do at that point. Uh, and plus, of course, I had the, the looming specter of my mentor, Phil Ramone, over my shoulder, who I knew would not look upon this with, with favor, yeah. that, that I was canoodling with one of his artists. <laughs> uh, so I, I thought it was the gentlemanly thing to do at that point to uh, to get up and leave because I didn't realize I was merely the boy toy roadie of the night. And let me tell you, hell hath no wrath like a woman scorned. Bet was pissed. Was she really? Oh, my goodness. Oh, Glenn. She was so mad. And, of course, at that point, I'd already committed to leaving, so I, I couldn't figure out a way to, to, to rewind the tape as it were. <laughs> Uh, I love the way you describe it. You're, you're in the, the back of the cab kind of thinking, can I tell it to turn around? Can I tell it to turn around? No, I can't. I've gone too far. Exactly. exactly. You, you did the, you probably did, you did the wrong thing, but you probably, in the greater scheme of things, Glenn, you did the right thing by being an absolute gentleman. Well, it made a better story in the well, there you go. Um, Glenn, listen, I'm going to I'm going to tweet the link for people to buy. It. It's such a good read. And it, you, it really is. Um, you, you, it's time travel. You take us back to 1975 and describe it brilliantly. And we, we, we've not touched all the stories. There's the, the whole thing with Bob Fosse, with with Bob Dylan, with Frank Sinatra. You know, it, it, it's it's such a joy. The book is called Never Say No to a Rock Star in the studio with Dylan Sinatra, Jagger and more. It's by Glenn Berger, B-E-R-G-E-R. I'm going to tweet the link. Um, Glenn, uh, thank you for writing it, and it's so nice to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Ian. Thank you, man. Great. Take care. Bye-bye. That's Glenn Berger. It really is. Imagine that. You get the snogs in with Bette Midler, and then he went, I should probably go home now. Um, Oh, what a nice man. Um, and, and, And the book is such a joy. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of, um, rock biographies and I always read books about the artists. So to get a book that is from the other side of the, of the, the, the glass, literally, you know, to, to, from a guy that was, um, well, his job was to be invisible in the studio, you know. So he could, he would sit in the back and he would press record and play. I mean, this was his first job, and he would would set up the microphones and stuff. But his job was to basically be invisible. So these rock stars would say all of these things, you know, with very free and easy conversations in front of him, um, without hesitation. Never say no to a rock star by Glenn Berger. Thank you, Glenn. Um, right, we'll have a little break, and then we shall begin Friday's show. Busy show tonight. After 11, we're going to try to speak to um, our Jadu expert, um, although I've got a feeling he's not going to answer. Do you think? I don't think he's going to answer. Um, and after midnight, it's uh, calls straight to air. 0844-499-1000. For the next hour and a half, we call you back. This is Talk Radio. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Uh, the papers, the news at the moment is weird, isn't it? There's really we- 0844 499 1000 is the phone number. We call you back. The news at the moment is kind of weird. I'm looking at the front pages and. Um, I don't really understand them. The front page of the Star. Colleen's terror escaped from burglar. Uh. Front page of the Daily Express. Proof Britain's booming after EU vote. Uh. The Sun has got a story about um, a reporter uh, who's been cleared in court. Uh. 
The Daily Mail have got a strange front story. A sick joke. NHS moans about lack of funds but fails to collect hundreds of millions from health tourists, right? This was the lead story in a lot of the, the, the news today and in the, um, the front pages of the papers. It was the, 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 the lead story. And it's basically um, about... They lost about 250 million quid last year to um, uh, foreigners not paying their um their hospital bills basically 250 million quid it's quite a lot of money isn't it but then there's a really small story about how the royal bank of scotland has lost something like um it's something like a, a billion pounds in the last year and i can't i'm trying to get my head around what is going on in terms of what stories we get to hear about and what stories we don't get to hear about? So, um, here we go. Yeah, the Royal Bank of Scotland is losing... It's lost about half a million pounds, half a billion pounds. Um, and that was after losing two billion pounds last year. And But the front page is about the NHS. I don't quite understand it. And there's another story. It's a little bit heavy, this. Do you mind if I get a little bit heavy? We can get a little bit heavy. There was another story that popped up. Now I've got my update on my um, iPhone. I, there's a new thing that I get to see, like, news stories and stuff. And I saw this news story, and it was right down the bottom of, of, of the thing on my kind of news feed. I don't really want to have a news feed on my telephone. But... Um, it was right down the bottom, and I saw it as I was getting in the car last night, and I thought, oh, I should check that out tomorrow, because that looks interesting. And I forgot to check it out, and I couldn't find it. And I might be wrong, because some of the pa- papers had a couple of pages missing. So let's give them the benefit of the doubt. But I couldn't find the story in the newspapers, right? And it's I think it's the saddest story. I think it's a really, really sad story um, that's kind of been brushed aside and ignored. And I don't know why. And I know that, uh, that um, what are they called? England First? Is that what they're called? Britain First. The um, the, the racist thickos. They've taken this story um, uh, 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 as proof that um you know muslim islamist <laughs> you know so, so so the racists have got hold of it the thickos have got hold of it britain first have got hold of it but i don't understand why um why it's not a bigger story will you indulge me for a second while i read the story from the mirror online it's quite a heavy story We'll, we'll, we'll dick around tonight. Don't worry. Don't worry, guys. Um, but uh, just this, this, this really struck me. Witness haunted by Lee Rigby's brutal murder hanged himself after suffering mental trauma. Just let that for a second just sink in. Isn't that the saddest story? It broke my heart when I heard, when I, I read that. Poor bugger. It's, I think it's awful. So this is from the Mirror Online. Um, I, interesting. I thought that people weren't that newspapers weren't supposed to report how people committed suicide. I thought that was part of the code, wasn't it? We got someone from Samaritans coming on next week, Monday or Tuesday, John. Um, so we'll, we'll ask him. I thought there was a code, and you weren't supposed to report how people committed suicide. Anyway, 
let's read on and find about this gentleman. Danny Cornelius is his name. Oh, comes a cup of tea. Thank you, ma'am. Danny Cornelius is his name. And it is just such a heartbreaking story, right? Danny Cornelius lived in the same street where Lee Rigby was attacked and killed in south-east London. A lonely man... I'm a lonely man. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I know lonely men. You might be a lonely man. And that's how the story starts. The story starts with your name. A lonely man was found hanged after spending years suffering from trauma triggered when he witnessed Lee Rigby being hacked to death. Has it got you yet? It's got me. Um, Lee Rigby of the Royal Regiments of uh, Regiment of Fusiliers was attacked and killed near the Royal Artil- Artillery Barracks in Woolwich, South East London, in the same street that 38-year-old Danny Cornelius lived. Danny, who was childless and unemployed, that's weird, isn't it? That's a weird. Those are two weird bits of information to put in there. Childless and unemployed. Why have they told us that, I wonder? I don't know. Danny, who was childless and unemployed, he'd had a shock in life, became a recluse after witnessing the horrific attack and rarely left his home. You wouldn't, would you? You wouldn't. Imagine... It's horrific enough. I'm looking at a picture of um, one of the nutters that did it with the blood on his hands. You know, that's that's upsetting enough. It's in your street and you see it. I wouldn't go out again. Certainly take a lot of um, work on my part to, to feel confident enough to go out. Danny, who was childless and unemployed, became a recluse after witnessing the horrific attack and rarely left his home at inquest heard before he was found hanged in his grandparents' garden earlier this year. Danny also had a history of traumatic events after also being the victim of two armed robberies when he was younger. Uh, It's just... It's just incredible. We scroll down. Well, now this is... <laughs> I'm going to read a sentence again that's horrific, but then the last two words, the se- the penultimate word in this sentence, I don't know what it's there for. This is a really weird story. and re- I mean, a really sad story, but written in a really weird way. As a teenager... His gold chain was stolen at knife point, and just a couple of years later, he was forced to withdraw money from a cash point and hand it over on both occasions by young black men. Now, is the are they saying black because the murderers of Lee Rigby were black, and so he might have a, a fear of black people? I don't know the colour of, of, of Danny. I don't know. It just seems... After the crimes, he suffered with paranoid schizophrenia, and when his friends started to get married and have children, he became disconnected from them. Oh, it's just the saddest story. Oi. The tipping point was, gosh, 
What year was Lee Rigby murdered? 2012. The tipping point was in 2012 when Lee Rigby... It says he was hacked to death. I would say brutally murdered or murdered. I don't... I, in the street by two gentlemen whose names we don't need to say, who are about, both now serving life sentences. Speaking at the inquest, Detective Sergeant uh, Sivaraja said, Mr Cornelius witnessed much of what happened. It would have been a huge trauma. It shook the whole community. That's it. Two sentences about him at the end. I just find that... And we'll have a break in a second, then we'll come to Craig. And there's not necessarily... I'm, I'm, I'm reading this not because there's necessarily anything you can say about it. Well, you know, if you want to say something about it, you're more than welcome to. I know you're all chomping at the bit for me to start, um, you know, um, playing George or a fanny and stuff like that. And I'll do it. I'll do that in a minute. But this story just hit me. As a lonely man... Um, you can't even begin to imagine what he was going through... And I'm really lucky, right, um, as a lonely man. I am lucky that I've got a few quid so I can go and, um, as I was saying to Glenn, I can pay and go and see a therapist once a week. Um, although I'm having to maybe move that to once every other week. Uh, I got a fantastic day with my boys today, um, who whether I wanted to stay in or not, I had no choice. They were dragging me out and it was great. And we went and saw a film and we went and bought fireworks. And it was brilliant. Um... I come in and I see Kath every night. I know, you know, you win some, you lose some. But do you know what? I'm kind of, as a lonely man, I am I am forced into situations where I actually have to do a little bit of interaction, even if I don't want to. And I suppose that's quite healthy. Um, but this story about um, Danny Cornelius, I don't know. It just struck me as being... Um, just a really sad story and it's hidden away i don't know if it was in in the papers yesterday or if it was in them today and i've missed it it's tucked away on a news feed somewhere um we've got someone from the samaritans coming on next week a bloke called john who catherine and i met a few weeks ago at an event the samaritans were throwing we're trying to find someone who's going to come on as well who's used the Samaritans, um, but but John will be able to kind of give us, you know, the stats and the facts and the figures, and he's a really good talker about it. Um, 116123 is the telephone number. If ever you um, feel, you know, you, if you, ever, you feel like Danny might have felt, that's the number to give us a call, uh, to give them a call, 116123. The world's a bit shitty at the moment isn't it it really is a bit mean and a bit dark we can mess around though don't you worry craig come to you after this late night ian lee unfiltered night talk with the original king of unconventional conversation on talk radio we have ways of making you talk big night sunday oh i've got to say happy birthday to my brother-in-law ivan i've got to say i'm really sorry i've got to send a card ivan Oh, no, my birthday present was you... Uh, no, no, I've given you two birthday presents. One is you you went to see Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. And the other is I bought you tickets to go and see the monkeys. So, happy, happy birthday! <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, you know, I've got a lot going on at the moment, Ivan, and my head is all over the shop. I'm really sorry. Um, I'll, I'll get the kids to record a uh, a little video. Oh, 
and um, I, I went to Scott Balcony shop yesterday, and um, I bought these glow in the dark pumpkin t-shirts. Now, glow in the dark generally is rubbish. You get a little bit of a glow, but you've got to squint. These t-shirts, flipping it, you could light up a room with them. We're in the cinema. We were in the cinema today. We went to see Trolls, right? Which is all right. There's too much singing in it. There's too. There's, there's a song like every, literally every four or five minutes. That's too many songs. Um, but the woman behind me had two kids, and one of them had a phone on. Was was had like a light on, and it was annoying me a little bit. And I kept looking over my shoulder, but I, it was behind me. I could kind of li- live with it. And then a guy from behind came up to her and said, "Could you turn that light off, please?" She went, "Oh yeah, yeah, sorry." And when she turned the light off, the kid went bonkers. I mean, like, had a bit of a, a paddy. And I wonder, I don't know, I'm, I'm literally I'm making all of this stuff up in my head. I wonder if the, ki- if it was, if the kid was autistic. Because it, was, it seemed like such an irrational um, outpouring of emotion. Saying that, kids can, can give you out, ra- irrational outpourings of emotion anyway. I don't know, but... Um, Oh, I don't know. Trolls was all right. Too much singing in it. Uh, the T-shirts are great. Oh, wait, four, 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 nine, nine, one thousand. Yes, Tom. Yes. Hi. How you doing? I'm all right. Thanks, Tom. What you got for us? Um, I, I just thought it was quite interesting, your point on uh, the world being quite a, a negative place at the moment. But I feel quite optimistic about the future. I think um, I think young people are doing are doing good things these days. Tell me some good things that young people are doing that's going to put out the worry of World War Three. Well, is World War Three coming? Well, I don't know. It's, it, 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 do you not think that there is there is a meanness um, in the world? How old are you, Tom? 19? 26. Oh, I was way out, way <laughs> out. I hope you're not classing yourself as a young person. 26 is ancient. No, no, I just think that there's a lot of... Um, I think there's always been negativity there. I just think the the media kind of highlights it a bit more now. But I think there is a, there are a lot of more... Well, a lot more connectedness in the world catch 22 is it's not catch 22 i don't know why i said that is the media highlighting it more or is there more of it for the media to highlight mm, yeah it's a, yeah it's a good point I, do, uh, I just think if you look through the history books there's always been the same kinds of things i just think generally i feel a lot more a lot more positive about what the future generation has got to give oh uh, uh, yeah I, d- I don't. I don't. I, it, it feels like I, I, I am, you know, it, 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 there is a chance that a, a man who's admitted sexual assault might become president of the United States of America. Does that not worry you? Yeah, it, do- it does. It does. And, and the state of, of politics in the UK yeah. does worry me from time to time. But then there are other positives that I see. Give me some positives, today. Tom. Give me some positives well, to cling on to. Well, this show is a start. I mean, wow. you know, this show, oh, this show you know, We're highlights and, and makes men's mental health and things like that. Yeah. Highlights it and brings people together. Thank and you. there are so many podcasts out there at the moment that do a similar thing. Yeah. Well, thank um, you. But if, 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 you're, if the first positive thing you can cite is this all, show, we're all, all screwed. <laughs> we're screwed. They're all small things, but I feel like we're all kind of heading in the right direction generally. And don't get me wrong, we're not going to eradicate things overnight. No, of course we're not. You mentioned the the connectivity. I wonder if that's part of the problem. I wonder, because Twitter, um, it has its uses, but its uses seemed to peak in in the Arab Spring about five years ago. You know, you go on Twitter now and it's so easy to find... Um, hatred and bile and poison, and and I wonder if if things like 
Twitter and Facebook, if if the bad outweighs the good. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh, have God. you seen the um, Have you seen the uh, Black Mirror episodes that were, that were put up last week? I've not. I've never seen Black Mirror. This is the Charlie Brooker oh. thing. People keep telling me I yes, should watch yes. it. Some very very interesting uh, very interesting takes on Twitter and the like. What does what, what, what does Brooker last... What does Brooker say about Twitter? Uh, there was, well, the final episode is an hour and a half finale, um, and basically there's a, a hit list of people, basically, oh. um, and there's this, this hashtag going around called Death 2, and uh, it, it becomes a, whoever has the most hits on the Death 2 uh, hashtag gets killed that day. Blimey. So it's, it's very sadistic, yeah. as you'd expect with anything from Charlie Brooker. Yeah. But it's uh, yeah, it's an interesting take. It's an interesting take on some on some different things. But well, listen, you are significantly younger than me. If you're optimistic about the world, that's that's um, something I can try and cling on to. Then that's good. Nice one, Tom. Thank you, mate. That's a good start. All right, take care. Kids for calling. Have a nice weekend. Um, we'll try Mr. Bastafire after eleven, and then remind me to tell you about um, performance ring. Richards in Campbellwell. Evening, Richard. Hello. Why do you know where I live? Oh, George Galloway put it on. That's right. Uh, oh, it's on there. I don't know why I said it. I never say that. That's old. That's that's old-fashioned me doing that. I don't, yeah, I don't care where you live. I phoned uh, George, George Galloway about my uh, issues with my rectum. Did you? Um, what did he, you they, they demanded to know where I was from. What did you say to George Galloway about your rectum? Well, I kind of led him on a long uh, phone call where I just don't agree with everything he was saying. Um, and then I just dropped that in. I, I may have got something stuck in my rectum. <laughs> That's why there might be a warning on my. Uh... There's no. There's no warning. How did George? Um, how did George take that? He went on quite a long diatribe about me, uh, saying from, from, what, from what sounded like a quite intelligent young man there to see when we're talking about the serious issues. Well, we, um, we, 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 we all know. Well, listen, I love I love George Galloway. I think he's brilliant. But George, you're a fanny. So, <laughs> so uh, let's remember that, Richard. Um, I just wanted to, uh, this sounds very local radio, I wanted to agree with your last caller. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, yeah. Um, yeah, things are getting better. Um, when you say it's not the media cover it more, but you didn't have rolling news like 20, 20 years ago. Like You didn't have BBC News 24 just constantly yeah. repeating this stuff. Um, you bought a newspaper once a day and maybe watched Six Got News, so you, you limit, your exposure to it's kind of limited, whereas now you're just hearing about it wherever you are. Um, like yeah. we're living longer, we're curing diseases. Like we landed a probe on a comet last year. Like, London did what? I said we landed a probe. On oh, a I comet. thought. You said, uh, yeah, that was a bit. Yeah, okay. Well, this this week we crash landed a probe on Mars and destroyed it. <laughs> that's the second time that Europeans have done that. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, that that's terrible. <laughs> I actually said to a mate, I was like, "What time's that probe crashing into Mars tomorrow?" <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> I feel uh, partially responsible. Have you seen the film Man vs. Snake? Uh, no, I haven't. It's really good. It's on Netflix. Loads of people were recommending it to me. And when loads of people recommend something, I always put off watching it because I don't trust loads of people. Um, but it's really good. It's about a guy, Tim McVeigh, not that Tim McVeigh, another Tim McVeigh, who sets the world record for playing a long-forgotten video game called Nibbler. And in 1984, he scores a billion points. The first time anyone has ever got a billion points. Takes him takes him 37 hours of gameplay. Um, why am I telling you that? Because that made me, that, that made me feel good. That made me feel good. 
that that made me think it that it's very nostalgic for the eighties. I think. Yeah, it, but it, that made me think that, that if we if we're making films like that, and if there are people like Tim McVeigh out there, not the 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 Oklahoma bomber one, um, but this one, then maybe there is hope for the future. Oh, wait, isn't, isn't that the same guy from the band This Is Kong? Yes, it is. Oh. There, yeah, there is. Yes, there. What well, there is. The, the, yes, yes, there is. The two films are linked, and they're both beautiful. Richard, thank you very much indeed. Craig, stay there. Come to you after uh, after the break. I'm Ian Lee. This is Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB. We are Talk Talk Radio. Give it some lip. Talk Radio. Only an hour to go until we take your call straight to air. We're going to try Mr. Buster Fire again. This is Talk Radio. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Some of you may have missed yesterday's show when we attempted to call a very wise man, Mr. Bastafire. Mr. Bastafire can do many things. Indulge me for a second, for those who did miss yesterday's show, as I read out the flyer that was being handed out around London earlier this week. No problem without solution. Mr. Bastafire... From birth, a gifted spiritual healer and advisor, special in love and relationship matters, I can help you solve all your worries regarding bringing back loved ones. If your loved one, husband or wife, walks out on you, I can help the most powerful spell to bring him or her back immediately. I can also help sexual matters, court cases, business, exams, addiction, Anti-social behaviour. Protection against jealous people, enemies and most dangerous things. Voodoo. Black magic. Jadoo problems. For all your problems, Mr. Bastafire is the answer. No disappointment. Quick results guaranteed. Payment after result. Seven days guaranteed. I speak French English. And then... His numbers on the bottom. Now, we tried Mr. Bastafire yesterday, and he was busy, maybe with a client, maybe with his family, we don't know. He said he would come on tonight at 11. Now, Craig. Hello. What's the betting he doesn't answer? So it's not going to, is he? Shall we find out? Okay. Let's dial, let's dial Mr. Bastafire. Oh, is that Mr. Bastafire? And he's gone. I'm, I'm fascinated by this guy. Let me try him on, because I, I think sometimes when we call from this, this number, it comes up as um, as anonymous. So let me try it from my um, mobile. Let's see. He could, of course, put a curse on me at any moment. 
he's not going to answer, is he? That's a shame. It, it's almost as if it's all complete nonsense that he's spouting, isn't it? It's almost as if it's complete and utter bullshine. What I will do... He's not going to answer, is he? Let me just try one more time on, on, on this line. What I will do is I will call him in the week, in the daytime, and I'll, if he's, you know, up for it, because you've got, you've got to tell the people you're recording them. If he's, um, if he's up for it, I will um, record the conversation. And um, how do people not have voicemail? I've got a friend who doesn't have voicemail, and if his phone's switched off, it will say, the number you're calling is switched off, try again later. How is that? How is that even a thing? How is that possible? Now, Mr. Bastafire um, may be able to solve... The mobile number you have called is currently unavailable. Yes, isn't it just? He may be able to solve Jadu problems... But he's certainly not a man of his word. Um, as if you listened yesterday, you would have heard him say that um, he would definitely come on at 11 o'clock this evening. What a surprise. 0844 Craig. Yeah. I was, I'm calling up about your Adam Buxton podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. I did a podcast with Adam Buxton from Adam and Joe. Gosh, that was quite a while ago now. I've caught, yeah, I, I'm behind on his, so I caught up with it listening through his podcast shows. Oh, yeah. Uh, fantastic podcast. He's good, isn't he? He's very good. He's um, he's very charming um, I- I- interviewer. Yeah. Um, you were, you've put my mind at rest after years talking about his Adam and Joe show with the China shop. Yeah. That worried me for years. It was quite an uncomfortable sketch, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so it's quite mean. Getting out of him, they agreed with the uh, they sorted it out with the owner. I but wish I'd known that years ago. They sorted it out with the owner, but the guy in the shop didn't know about it. Is that right? right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the the anxiety I have remembering that those sketches where they ate the food in the shop and broke all the china in the other shop. Th- th- this one, as far, as far as I remember, it was they they went into a, a shop and it said if you break it, you pay for That's it. it yeah. So they broke loads and loads of stuff and, and filmed the shop it secretly. Didn't know. Uh, no, and the shop assistant was mortified, and it was um, it was really it was really uncomfortable, and it was typical of that nineties comedy of which I was kind of a part of. Yeah, um, yeah. It was mean. It was mean. Yeah. That, like you said, there was a couple of sketches out, out of, well, sketch, you know, segments out of a generally nice show that they did. And even he said he yeah. was, didn't want to put it in. Yeah. Um, and you were also on about talcum powder, why they don't use it anymore. Uh, yes, you're right. <laughs> I know. It does get discussed on the Adam Buxton podcast. All the big issues um, of the disused tissues. Uh, why does no one use talc anymore? A case has just been settled in America with Johnson & Johnson where they've had to pay £70 million in compensation because it causes cancer. No, it does Talcum powder does not cause cancer. It's, it's carcinogenic. No. It reacts with the body. No. And affects the skin. No, yeah, no, it does. It's talcum powder. It reacts with the body and affects the skin. It makes you dry and s- makes you dry after a bath. Hang on a minute. Why don't we use towels? 
J&J, Johnson & Johnson, baby powder suit, a £70 million payout. Deborah, and I can't pronounce her surname, had no idea of the dangers before ovarian cancer. I, I, I... Which is why they don't sell it. You can get it, but it's rare to... Ca- you can, like, there's... If you go in Tesco's, yes. there's, like, two types of talc. That's all you can get. Cancerous and non-cancerous. No, but, but it used to be for babies, didn't it? Yeah! It's called baby powder. Yeah! Well, you can't put it on babies. No! Right, oh. Craig, listen. You, uh, uh, you, you believe that um, uh, 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 one day Jesus Christ is going to rise back uh, alive and, and some he, of us... He will sort the t- talcum powder. Yeah, well, so, so I, this is why I have to take everything you say with a pinch of talcum powder. I need, uh, I need verification from another listener um, that, that this is true and that talcum powder is cancerous and um, that we, you can't buy it anymore. If you go to newser.com, which is a no. news... Well, you know, it gathers news sites. It's on there. I've never... And that was today, bizarrely. Flipping it. And the persuasionist is nearly ten years old. Is he that old? He's, Adam said he was 2007. I think he's wrong on that. What year did Jackson die? Oh, I don't know. Tell he's me... one of us. Tell well, me... He was for a beer. <laughs> one of us. Tell me what year Jackson died, and I'll tell you what year the persuasionist was. I, I, I don't know. Well, but I watched all of them. I chased it all the way around the schedules. Yeah, wasn't that bad, I was a supporter it? when you was uh, absolute then, wasn't it? Well, well, those are the days. I'm uh, going to cut you off now, Craig. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. <laughs> he took that well, didn't he? He took getting cut off well. <laughs> 2007, Jackson died. Well, that's the persuasionist was nine years ago then. Talcum powder is cancerous. Really? What I need is I need um, a talc expert to call up. But maybe you've just had a little bath and um, you've put talc all over your body because it dries you. Why don't you use a towel? And it makes you smell. It does make you smell wonderful. You do that, tap your hands and it kind of, the dust goes everywhere. It's not dust, it's powder. Um, maybe you've just done that and you, you, you're just getting into bed and you've realised it's cancerous. So you've just jumped out of bed and jumped in the shower to wash it off your body. I can't believe that. Really? Oh eight four 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 nine nine one thousand is the telephone number. I'm Ian Lee. This is Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Hey, I tell you what's exciting. On um, Sunday, we're having our first ever performance ring. Really, really busy weekend this weekend. Tomorrow, me and Catherine are going to the MCM Expo. Um, where there's going to be thousands of cosplayers, because we're going to try and make a documentary about <laughs> cosplayers. I'm dressing as um, Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we're doing that all day tomorrow, which will be, will, will, will be fun. Um, and then Sunday night, it is um, Performance Ring. And it is the first one we've got. We've got we've got two more books up. One in Christmas that sold out, December the eleventh, and one February the tw- February the twenty sixth that hasn't sold out yet. But then that's because it's months away. Um, 
And um, it's looking like it's going to be a thoroughly good night. I forgot to phone Jim the dancer. I don't think we're going to be able to help Jim the dancer get to this performance ring. So I need to get my thinking cap on and see if I can help get him to the the, the Christmas one. Um, Sorry if you bought a ticket hoping to see Jim the dancer. If we can't get him to the next one, I will certainly, at the very, very least, um, film something with him. In fact, I wonder if he's on Skype. Probably not. Anyway, um, and it's unique. It's, the performance ring is unique. It is a variety evening, not comedy night, not comedy. It's a variety evening where the um, entire bill is made up of you. You. You'll be doing it. The listener. And I think we've got 12 acts. If Jim's not doing this Sunday, we've got 12 acts for this Sunday. And um, I'll play a few clips and, and bits and pieces as well. I mean, Kath will host it. I don't quite know what that means, but we'll do something. Um, and it's sold out, I'm afraid. Although if you go on Twitter, a couple of people, uh, uh, Gatford and Victoria, I think, have both tweeted that they have a spare ticket. Uh, and, and if you tweet me, at me, that you've got a spare ticket, I will certainly retweet it, guys. So um, keep an eye on uh, on Twitter. And um, it's really exciting because there's not anything I can do to prepare for it. I've got a few bits and pieces that I'll, you know, I'll play a few bits of people messing up on the radio from my live show. Some of you will have heard them before. Um, But there's not really anything that I can do to prepare for the evening. I've got to sort out a running order. And um, just because of the way the venue is and its location, we'll have the noisier acts on first. Um, And that's it. It's down to you, my lovelies. To make it work. Imagine. And when I say make it work, that's work with a very small W. If it doesn't work, if what you do doesn't work, well, I wouldn't class it as a failure. It's, you, you know, we, we learn from things when we make mistakes, don't we? That's we, If we're successful every time, we don't learn. We don't um, uh, challenge ourselves. Um, so some of you might not get the reaction that you were hoping for. That's all right. I won't think any less of you. Kath won't think any less of you. And the audience won't think any less of you because they all want you to succeed. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see how it works. Um, we're full for uh, for acts for this one. The next one I'm, I'm kind of looking at is December the 11th. Um, we've got, I think, four acts so far. So we could do with another eight or so. And um, it can be anything... I think we've got one comedian and two singers already for Christmas. I'm not totally sure. I'd have to have a little look at my notes. I'm not really thinking about it too much, but you should start getting the ball rolling a little bit. Um, you can come and you can do anything. This Sunday, we've got a bloke pushing a wheelbarrow. Um, we've got a couple of short films. And we've got someone doing poetry via Skype. So, and some other freaky stuff. So you can come and do anything. I would suggest you can't come and sing a song because a song is, what, three minutes long and and that means to fill the evening we'd have to get about 33 people singing three-minute songs each. It's not fair on the venue um, and it it wouldn't be a great evening. So we need a little bit more than that. The act needs to be ideally, and there can be exceptions... But ideally, should be between eight and twelve minutes long. Okay, uh, between eight and twelve minutes long, and um, 
It can be anything. Short film, you can do it via Skype if, if you want. You know, whatever. If you feel like you're interested, send me an email, ian, I-A-I-N, ian at ianlee.com. And I'm rubbish at replying to emails. So if, if you send me an email and I've not replied within a week, send me a little little nudge and I, I will reply, I promise. Um, but just send me an email suggest, saying, I've got this idea, I want to do this, this and this. I think at the Christmas one we've got someone who's going to come on and eat custard. I think I think we've got that as an act. I'd need to double check. That's an act. They're going to come on and eat custard. I mean, yeah. So it can be out there, man. It doesn't have to be out there, but it can be out there, man. Um, Ian at ianlee.com. Right, let's crack on with the show because the switchboard is full. Oh, let's go to one of the people who's coming who's coming on Sunday. It's Eben. Evening, Eben. Evening, Ian. What kind of cake? Mm-hmm. Gay cake. Gay cake. Gay cake is the cake of the week. Um, how are you feeling about Sunday, boss? Yeah, I'm feeling really good. Now, remind me, Evan, because um, you, you weren't going to come. Are you coming now? No, you'll have to do it on Skype. Nope. Because no, no, that's fine. That's fine. Because you're, you're, in, you're, in, uh, you're in Wales. Yeah, in Wales. Yeah. It's a little bit of a trek. And also, I suppose it means if they do start chucking tomatoes, mm. um, they'll be chucking them at, at my computer as opposed to your head. Um, you've made you've made a short film for us, which we're yeah, I'm looking forward film. to, and we're going to have a little chat. Actually, finishing off right now. Oh, oh, oh beautiful! I love it. How's it going? Are you pleased with it? Yeah, really good. I've got up to three minutes now. I'm hoping to get another forty seconds. Okay. Well, you make you you know you 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 do what you need to do because mm-hmm. we're gonna. This is why I said ideally the act's gonna be between eight and twelve minutes. But if 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 the act is interesting enough, and I'm classing your film as an act, um, we we can make exceptions. And also, we're gonna have a little chat before and afterwards yeah. if that's all right. And, and if, they can ask me any questions on uh, yeah and Red Bull. Oh, brilliant. Well, you're, 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 you're very kind, and we've got Skype there. Again, if anyone's thinking, well, you know, we've got... I, 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 and I think we can probably allow two, maybe three acts per evening to, to be done remotely from around the country, or even, indeed, around the world. You know, when the last time I was, uh, I was at this venue, we had a link-up with some people in Los Angeles. So, um, you know, if you're listening around the world and you're thinking, oh, December the 11th, yeah, but I'm in Japan or New York, we can Skype you, man. We can Skype you. I'm looking forward to seeing it, Eben. I really am. And I'm really looking forward for it, too. It'll be really good to get my, like, rear counter. Um Yeah, no, uh, and we saw the trailer for it, and it all looked, um... What camera... Can I... Uh, let me be just techie for a second. Indulge me one geeky question. What camera have you got? A Canon EOS 60D with a Canon L-series lens, 17-40mm. They're, they're good, those Canons, aren't they? I've got the, um... Yeah. I've not got now the really really posh one is is it the five D? Yeah, the five D Mark Two. That's the one that's about five grand. I've got the next one yeah. down, which I got for a steal, the seven D. Um, and those cannons are brilliant. You could, it, you, and I I've, I've done TV shows where I've rocked up, and they're using a cannon to film a, 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 a TV show. Yeah, no, they're incredible quality. Yeah, exactly. It's funny, and you think back, you know, to when I was a well, when I was a kid, we didn't have them, and then when, when I got a little bit older, it was those big chunky VHS suitcases you had to carry on your shoulder that, that cost about two thousand pounds, and um, they were rubbish. It's amazing what you can uh, what you can do. Well, I'm looking forward to it, Eben, and uh, I'm looking forward to having a, a chat and via Skype. 
And scarily, my phone's actually technically better quality now because it's 4K. Yeah, well, there, yeah, you go, you see, yeah. It, but the 4K on the phone eats up the memories I found out to my expense when I set my phone to 4K. I said to you, like, for 4K because I like the best of the best quality. Well, he's, and... a, he's a connoisseur. Eben is a connoisseur of the uh, picture. The thing is, I'm so old now, I can't really tell the difference between 4K and 780. Mm. What did you call I, in for, Ebon, or was it just to I, just to let us know that you, you're still up for Sunday? I've actually called in to say the last caller was, right, that someone did see Johnson's baby powder. Really? Yeah. Because it gave them cancer? Yeah, I've actually got the news article up here. Go on, give, give us a bit Johnson, of it. Johnson & Johnson to pay... Fifty-one million pounds to family of whom of a woman who died from over I N cancer caused by talcum powder. Flipping heck! And is the that like? Is it all talcum powder? Yeah, it's the uh, Johnson's baby powder. Mate, this is these. These are you know. We we had Tom at the top of the hour, bless him, saying or the, the end of the last hour, saying, "Guys, don't worry, the world is getting better." Well, you're just telling me that the nicest, softest, most beautiful smelling thing in the world gives you cancer. And this is off the Telegraph. So that's proper, Evan. Mm. You have um, you've you've ruined my life. Thank you very much indeed. I'll see you on Sunday. Um, flipping it, that's awful, isn't it? That's awful, Rosie. Talcum powder gives you the big C. Well, that would be true if it was true, but that was what? in the 70s. What? And it's not, it's not that now. What? 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 That was in the 70s. It, it contained asbestos. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I, I don't know if you know how old I am. I am in the... I'm from the 70s. Yeah, I'm from the 70s, but you have to inhale it. Did you inhale it? Yeah, of course I did. Oh, well. It was, it was, they were sprayed everywhere. You had a bathroom in the <laughs> 70s, there was talcum powder everywhere. Oh, I don't think I used it. It's a bit messy, well, you isn't stink. it? You My mum uses it all the time now, but I, it, oh. they don't use it now. They put, um, guess what they put instead? Vaseline. What, instead of asbestos? No, oh, hang on, what are you talking about? Talcum, I don't know, yeah, what do they what? put in it now? Cornstarch. Well, uh, if you feel cool, flour, it's really kind of soft, isn't it? So I can believe that. Well, I'd rather that than asbestos. So would I, yeah. So I, I, hang, on, hang on a minute, right? I thought that talcum powder was mined. <laughs> no, that's not even a joke. Really? What? Talcum powder mines? How do they... Here you go, here's a question. How do they get helium? How do they get helium? Yeah, how do they get helium? Where do they get helium from? Oh, God, isn't that down underneath? Yes, the they mine helium. They mine yeah. helium, which well, is I a gas. I talking about that the other week, actually. Yeah. So why is it so, so ridiculous to think, well, if they mine helium, why is it such a quantum leap to think that, that well, mountain, they mine talcum? Yeah, they, it's a gas. So you're going to uh, crack open rocks for something that's going to make your voice squeaky? I <laughs> thought, genuinely thought talcum powder... <laughs> Was like chalk. Yeah. Well, is it? Yeah. I mean, it's a bit like. I suppose you could mine. Yeah, well, you do mine chalk. Thank you very much indeed. Do you see? Do you see how it links up? Let's go to Pablo. Evening, Pablo. Hip hip hip. Hip hip hip. Yes, and on the talc front, 
Um, the previous callers have been right. Um, well, so I, I, I feel I have to say for legal reasons legal reasons. Johnson and Johnson are appealing the decision and they insist there's no risk whatsoever. Yeah, well, well, from what I understand, I think they were, they were originally reduced to pay in February. They've been ordered to pay in February and this is a, so another... Not supposed to snort talcum powder up. Man alive, I hope my dealers in the 90s were giving me the real stuff. That's a joke. Well, of it, course it, they weren't. Specifically, ovarian cancer, I think, and, and the, the, the last caller was right. It, it um, is when there was some sort of um, asbestos, because they were using pure talc. But then in the seventies, they all switched to a cornstarch. All right. So hang on. Where does pu- okay? Where does pure t- where, where does pure talc come from? I'm no talc miner. Well, is that well? Is that that sounds like a euphemism? He's a bit of a talc miner. That one you want to be careful. Um, I, I, I genuinely thought it was mined like chalk was. Really soft skin, though. Um, I, I believe so. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, you know or... this is um, making me want to get some talc. The new, the new street... Uh, well, I used, to, I used to remember, when I was a kid, I remember being six years old, uh, going into um, my mum's bedroom and putting her talc all over my face and pretending I was a ghost. Perfectly natural thing to do. Of course, it's the perfectly natural thing to do. That would have gone right up my schnozzle. Yeah, well, no, there's definitely. Um, I remember standing in front of the fire, being talked, yep. whilst last of the summer wine was on in the background, and then getting your um, bare bum smacked. There's nothing better than smacking the bare bum of one of your four-year-old children. Well, yeah, well, that's, that's how I got arrested. So yeah, exactly. That, was... Exactly. Um. Well, you learn something new every day, Pablo, and I've learned that, um, that, that talcum powder is killing us. Just when you thought the world couldn't get any better, we're on the verge of World War Three, um, and, and um, we're being made to hate the NHS as opposed to the Royal Bank of Scotland, um, and now talcum powder kills you. Well, I will say in regards to the NHS as a, as a positive fact in, in the whole talc debacle. Yeah. As um, my daughter was born, well, I suppose quite close to four years ago now, and a nurse told us then that they don't use talc because of potential links to ovarian cancer. But obviously, if it's cornstarch, then maybe not. That's not been proven to be carcinogenic in any Can way. Can you use flour? If you want to make a cake. No, as, as talcum powder, because it's a very similar texture. If you, well, I suppose if you were wet and you covered yourself in... In a clag. In yeah, a you clag. Get, was, My yeah. mum... This is what this listen, kids. This is what the seventies were like. My mum, during half term holidays, when we ran out of Prit stick or YooHoo glue, would make glue out of flour and water. Yeah, perfectly good. I was thinking you could go the extreme the other way and just um, just get a kind of Scotch card type uh, thing. Yeah. Just give them a quick spray. Well, but, um, as long as you cover the um, the exit point, yes. Then you know, essentially, everything will be good. Just wipe clean, move on. There we go. Exactly. Um, so, okay. So listen, we need to know how do you get talcum powder? Where the hell does it come from? Um, and what the hell is WD forty made of? That's a strange thing. WD WD forty fixes anything. Oh eight four 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 nine nine one thousand. This is Talk Radio. The Wild Man of Late Night Radio is back. Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk.
Oh. Um, Tris. Pip, pip, pip. Yeah, pip, pip. Tris has got a voice. Well, that's good news. Oh, just about. I'm dreading Sunday, mate. Why is that, man? I can't hear, I can't hear a note. I was, I was <laughs> expecting not a nine out of ten performance. Yeah. And you're going to get a four, maybe a five. Um, and I'm sorry. Have you, uh, you've lost your voice. Was, have you, was it laryngitis you've had? Yeah, yeah. Higher register gone? Yeah, completely. I, um, if anyone who's followed my career, you'll know that I, my weakness is my, my sweetness is my weakness, is uh, my voice. And whenever I get a cold, and I haven't lost my voice in over a year, Sept- I think it was September last year when I was at the other place, um, when I get a cold, my voice goes, every, almost every single time, my voice goes. I've now learned that when I get, when I start to get sniffly, I need to, um, I need to steam Every day with a big bowl and a load of um, Vicks vapor rub poured into it, and uh, I need to go to a steam room and sit in a steam room for twice a day. I can only stand about twenty twenty five minutes. Steam. I can only withstand it for about twenty minutes. But I go in there in the morning and I go in there in the evening, and it costs a fortune, but it will it will keep my voice. And it's the weirdest, weirdest thing. And your how long has yours been gone for? Uh, since uh, Monday, Monday Monday morning. It was going Sunday. I sounded like this on Sunday. Monday morning, I woke up. I had nothing. Monday, Tuesday, nothing. Wednesday, merely a squeak. Well, it's cu- it's coming back. Mine goes. You know, I wouldn't say t- top, losing your voice, top trumps, because that would be ridiculous. But mine goes for about two weeks, and um, you know, I, I, if, if I can't talk, I don't get paid. I don't get paid. Yeah. You know, there's no money in it for me, and it's, it breaks my heart having to use up my holiday, which I don't get paid for. Um, you know, I'm contracted to do a certain amount of shows a week, uh, a year, um, to lose my money. And it's, it's, it's frustrating because I bet for most of it, you felt all right. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I felt, <laughs> I felt a bit rotten last week and this week I felt fine and sounded dreadful. I can hear it now. Um, now you're, um, yeah, I can hear it now. You're talking a bit more. Yes. Um, well, listen, the thing, the thing here. Let, I've let the nation down. That's what it is. <laughs> that's, 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 that's... It, 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 if you, um, I don't worry about it. It'll be all right. Let's see how things are on Sunday, okay? I'm not going to let anyone do it. Bizarrely, I can whistle all the way through it. Whistling's fine. Tris. Tris, you've got yourself... We've got your backup act. That's all you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. I've I've been working on it. Every turn needs a backup. Listen, you've got my email. Let's see how things are on Sunday. I'm not going to let anyone... It w- it, that that would, would could possibly be two acts that have dropped out, which would be slightly. Oh awkward. mate, no, I'm, I'm going to do it. Whatever. All right. If I'm whistling it, I'm whistling it. I'll be there. Don't worry. All right, good. You're a, you're you're a good man and a good soul, and um, everyone will be willing you on. Um, and uh, well, my I mean, here's the weird thing, right? And no one's ever been able to explain it to me. But when you you know when your voice is going or it's gone, mm. um, you're not supposed to whisper. No. Apparently, whispering uses up more of your muscles. It's harder. It puts more effort on your voice to whisper. Probably because you do it less. What does that mean? Well, you're less trained at whispering, aren't you? Because you normally speak at... <laughs> less trained at whispering. Oh, I don't know. You muppet. Well done. Fair play. You <laughs> realised you were talking nonsense and you bailed out. 
Um, and I, I never get that. And it's true. If you if you whisper it, 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 it supposedly it puts more strain on your voice. And you know you're you're you're, you're told. And what I I I have to follow is when my voice goes, I can't even attempt to speak. And it's it's quite nice actually, just having to sit in silence. And the boys um, think it's hilarious. Oh, my oldest had a field day with it. Yeah, of course. Sitting there going, what, what? Yeah, it's the 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 the, the, the kids. Um, I think it's funny. My youngest asked the other day, Daddy, when you lose your voice, can you still hear things? Which I thought was a delightful... Oh, well, on on that subject, I've got two stories, actually. Oh, yeah. I was, in a, I was in a cafe, and I sort of had to explain that by pointing to my voice and attempting to talk that I'd lost my voice. <laughs> and I go, in, I, I go in there all the time. And when it came to getting the bill, she wrote down on a bit of paper how much I owed. It <laughs> <laughs> was working. Oh. And, and the other day, I was in Waitrose, and um, they give an excellent service in Waitrose, and the, the, the chap that serves me serves me quite a bit. And um, he said, oh, you don't sound too well. I said, no, I was getting over, just getting over losing my voice. He goes, oh, you sure it's not throat cancer? You want to go and get that? Hey. Jesus nice one, man. Thanks. I hadn't yeah. thought of that. Well, actually, um, Chris, uh, Tris, uh, don't speak anymore. Put your phone down. Uh, a, a hot, fresh ginger, boiled up. You get some fresh ginger and peel it and cut it up into little bits. Boil it on the stove, low boil, for about 20, 25 minutes. Um, and any water you got left over, you can use it the next day for another cup. Um, squeeze uh, a, a whole fresh lemon into it. Add some honey. Boom. That's the only thing I found that would, would offer any form of relief. Yeah, man, I'll do that. I'll see you Sunday. See you Sunday, Tris. Cheers, mate. That, dear listener, is a trooper. What was it? Wasn't it... Um, if you've ever had tickets for a show that's been cancelled because of illness, 0844 didn't Keith Richards cancel... The Stones cancelled a whole tour because Keith Richards fell out of a coconut tree, didn't he? And he injured his little finger. Now, he's a guitar player. You know, OK, I can kind of dig that. Um... If you've ever had tickets for a show that have been cancelled because of uh, a ridiculous illness, then uh, please do let us know. 0844 499 1000 is the telephone number. Now is an excellent time as well, um, while Emma gets back to her switches before we go to the break. As I can tell you, that um, you can get the, the podcast from loads of different places. Um, and uh, two places, Acast. Acast is excellent. Um, if you want to go and get it from there. There's also one, I think, called Podcast Addict. Is that one? I think that's one. Um, and, and and we're up there as well. So if you type in Ian Lee and talk, you'll be able to download the podcast. And we put out a bonus podcast yesterday. Was it yesterday? The, 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 today it went out. Um, the guy from Vanilla Fudge. Um, fairly interesting interview. Um, and uh, we put that out as a bonus podcast. So there you go. Free stuff, huh? 0844 This is Talk Radio. Late night, Ian Lee. On air and off the On Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Very, very busy on the phones the last two nights. Where were you the rest of the week? Oh, man, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We, uh, those are the shows I got paid for yesterday and uh, today I'm doing for free. Um, Alan. I'm sorry for last night, Ian. Um, what happened? The penguin incident. What happened? 
This dark in which was the better oh, penguin. Oh, you thought Danny DeVito was the better penguin. No, but having it in hindsight, Burgess Meredith is the true penguin. Well, if you listen, hey, 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 listen. If you, um, if you genuinely, um, believe that Danny DeVito, uh, DeVito was a better penguin than Burgess Meredith, then, then that's fine. Then you should stick with that belief. If anything, uh, I think less of you for changing your mind just to make me happy. No, but I didn't want to start World War Three. No, that's going to happen um, uh, in about three weeks' time when Trump becomes president. Are you ready? Oh, you giving me into the time you're fired. I would, if I was Trump, right? I would play it cool. The first day, I'd play it cool and just, you know, be, be kind of cool. Second day, I'd send a nuclear missile to North Korea. But no, no, no left Russia nukes us first. What? Because yeah, we're going to have trouble from Russia. No, no, no. We're not going to have trouble. Listen, what you do once once Putin realizes there is a madman even more crazy than he is in charge of the nuclear things, Putin will back right down. We send if uh, we if Trump sends one nuclear missile to Pyongyang. Yeah. In the, in North Korea, right? Yeah. Wipes out that wipe out North Korea totally, right? Yeah. Putin is gonna Putin's gonna have to totally rethink his game because he doesn't think anyone is crazy enough to set set off nuclear missiles. But would it happen under Clinton? No. We've got to look at all the scenarios. If Clinton's in charge, no. He'll go for the diplomatic route. Yes, exactly. It'd be boring. She'll be too busy worrying about Anthony Weiner. Never heard of him. He's the gentleman who um, was a uh, governor or something and um, then was running for the mayor of New York City. And both times his career was scuppered because he sent pictures of his penis to young women. And his wife was, I don't know if she still is, Hillary Clinton's close aide. Well, the FBI are investigating now Hillary Clinton's emails, and apparently they link, uh, they're linked with the Anthony Weiner case. Was it because of WikiLeaks? Yeah, but I'll be honest, there's nothing in WikiLeaks that's um, concerned me more than Donald Trump grabbing a woman's vajayjay. Uh, well, most men have done it. Sorry? Most men have done it. Um, can, well, I don't think I've... Well, I certainly never... Okay, right, let's break this down. It, any grabbings of the doodah... Yeah. They have been consensual. Yeah. And I'm not sure I've ever grabbed a doodah. Not grab... I mean, how do you grab a Wang Chung? No, I don't know. But yet you claim to have done it. No, I haven't claimed to have done You it. just said every man's done it. No, I said most men. Oh, most men except for you. Yeah. Right. What makes you so special? Because I've never done it. Um, and I've got an intro for your performance ring. Oh, beautiful. You've heard him on the radio. You've seen him on television. You've heard him on the podcast. Live in London, Ian Lee. Can you clip that? Send it over to... Oh, um, yeah, what about Kath? Uh, and you heard her on three counties. You heard her on talk radio. His number one lady, Miss K. 
Catherine Ball. Can you send those over in two separate sound files and they will be played as our introduction on Sunday night. Thanks for that, Alan. No idea. Take care. Bye. Oh, Alan. Yeah? Have you got Skype? Yes, I have. What, with video? Yep, on my Mac. Um, this Sunday might be tricky. Uh, d- d- December the 11th, do you, f- do you fancy, you know, addressing the um, the crowd at the Christmas one? Yeah, definitely. I'm up for that. So December the 11th, we can put you down? Yeah, definitely. All right, Alan, nice one, mate. Thank you. Cheers, There we go. Someone's evening just brightened up a little bit, didn't it? Someone got a bit carried away. That'll be nice. We'll, um... Okay. The Christmas show is is shaping up... Both shows are shaping up to be completely different. And um, the Christmas one, I think, is going to be something very, very special. Let's go to uh, Jonathan. Uh, Good evening, Jonathan. What kind of cake? Uh, I'm not hungry. Give me your chips. I'm hungry. I'm... Uh, that last call. Oh. Give me your chips. Uh, that last call is proof that democracy is a very bad idea. Give me your chips. Uh, I, I'm being serious now. I. So am last... I. Give me your chips. In the last couple of days, uh, I, I have the realization that we are less than six months away. From a nuclear holocaust is giving me the uh, the, the jitters because I, I I just the thing I can't uh, understand is oh, there are certain yes. people in the media, particularly yeah. in this country, that are going to get us all killed. No, they're not. They're, they're not going to get us killed. It'll be Donald Trump that gets us killed. No, Donald Trump won't get us killed. Give me your he chips, will. Jonathan. Uh, on, honestly, I think I think radio presenters who are provoking radio presenters uh, are not going to get us killed. Yes, they are. Who? They, well, name really name one radio presenter that's going to get us killed. James O'Brien. Oh, for goodness' sake! He, no, one. he's not. What? Because of Mystery Hour being well past its sell-by date? No. Well, the point I'm trying to get at is we are being led by the nose into a nuclear holocaust. No, we're not. And people like James O'Brien and Ian Dale are uh, fueling the flames with their racist, anti-Russian, fascist rhetoric. Oh, for goodness sakes. What on, what on earth? You, you need... You, you, tell you what, you can keep your chips, right? Because it sounds like you need them more than I do. James O'Brien uh, and Ian Dale... Putin doesn't even know who they are. How 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 is Ian Dale going to get us killed? It's it's they are propagandizing us to accept a, 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 the, a, the need for a nuclear confrontation no, with Russia. They, they and don't. And, oh, and what after what happened today in Syrian airspace? Oh, what what it, happened? It, what's happened to you today in your airspace? Well, the fact that a, a Russian aircraft and an American aircraft nearly collided with each other in Syria, oh, but that really worries me. What's that got to do with Ian Dale? Was he t- was he um, given the, the, the air traffic control? <sighs> don't be silly. Look. No, you're... Be- he- don't, hang on a minute. You've just told me that James O'Brien 
and Ian Dale are oh, going to cause a nuclear minute, holocaust. Minute, and you're telling me not to be silly? Oh, he's gone now. Right, look. Uh, Who's look, gone? The these, voice these, in your head. These people are propagandising us for a nuclear war. Who isn't? Uh, no, 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 no. Who, 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 who's telling us the truth then? Where, do, where should I go for my, my, uh, my facts? Hillary gets in, which she Where wants. should I go? Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan. So, um, O'Brien and Dale, a left-wing and a right-wing um, radio presenters... They're uh, both left-wing. No, they're not. Yeah, they are. Do you know, Ian do you Dale's know, no right-winger. Do you know who, um, do you know what picture Ian Dale has above his dining table? I, I know who he has above his dining who table. Who does he have? I know who he worked for. Who does he have above his dining table? Who does he have above his dining table? I know stuff about Ian Dale, he, but if it came he, out... He uh, had... Well, was, I don't want to know that. I'm asking you a question. Who does Ian Dale have above his dining table? Margaret Thatcher. He has an oil portrait of Margaret Thatcher above his dining table. Yeah. And you're telling that. me he doesn't veer to the right? He's not extreme right wing, but he veers to the right. James O'Brien veers to the left, and the older James O'Brien, I get the more cent- central he gets. But um, if I shouldn't be listening to them... Who should I be listening to that isn't propagandising? Well, you want to listen to people who are not uh, agitating for nuclear war. Tell, I'm asking, I'll ask you for the fourth time. Who should I be listen to if, listening to if I want to hear the truth? You won't get the truth from anyone. OK, so, so where do you get the truth from? I get it from what I've observed from various news reports do, from do, various Can you tell agencies. me... Can, I, I, I'm going to ask you one more time, Jonathan, right? Where do I go to get the truth that you've got? Twitter. And that, dear listener... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Lee, what kind of cake... Uh, caraway seed. Ooh, you ponce. What you got for us, Lee? <laughs> I don't like them, actually. My dad used to like caraway seed cakes. Oh. That's why I remember them. Well, there you go. It's nice to think about our dads every now and then. I know. I'm, I'm a little bit stuck after Jonathan, you know. Everyone was in a light-hearted mood, and ah, I'm, I'm don't fr- worry about I'm that. Prone. Don't worry. We need to go back to, um... All right. Cornflour. There you go. Um, you were talking about talcum powder and cornflour. Yeah. Well, my late brother was a chef... And he didn't bother with talc. He had about four boxes of cornflour in his bathroom. Let's put it that way. Oh, okay. So, uh, can you use flour? Well, I believe talc is something like forty percent cornflour anyway. I believe. What is that? Well, hang on a second. Everyone keeps talking about this cornflour. What the hell is <laughs> cornflour? It's flour made from corn. Oh, I see. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that, is it? Weird. I bet if I were to go into my local Tesco's tomorrow, which I won't, um, that I could buy all kinds of talcum powders, and um, they would all be delightful on my little bot-bot, and it would be um, glistening, and it would smell wonderful, and it would um, look pert. Nice. Yeah. There's images I don't want to imagine. Well, you, you imagine them and hold on to them, Lee. <laughs> hold on to my bot-bot. For those uh, images. You're very welcome. Anything else? Uh, I should see you Sunday. That's about it. Ta-ta. Um, 
I've written down a thank you, Lee. I've written down a phrase on my piece of paper that I have in front of me, and I was thinking, what does this mean? Why have I written this down? Almost completely effective. I was thinking, why did I write that down? And then I just remembered, um, it was the story about the 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 injection, the male pill, but it's an injection. Um, you know, if if you don't want your female partner to, or she doesn't want to, for whatever reason, because pill can have quite unpleasant effects on some people, um, for whatever reason, the, the, the woman doesn't want to take the pill, then they are trying, trialling this um, male pill that is actually an injection that will stop you having babies. But they use the phrase almost completely effective. Now, that is... Um, that doesn't sound great odds to me. What what what's the um uh, um? The, there's a phrase, isn't there? I don't. I can't think what the phrase is. So I'm going to just use something slightly ham-fisted. What's the accepted hit rate with the pill? What is? Uh, there's a phrase, isn't there? Uh, you know, for scientific, they allow a certain percentage for for uh, for failure. And I can't think what that phrase is. I tell you why I can't think what that phrase is because it's five minutes to twelve on a Friday night of what margin of error. Thank you. What has been a very very long week, and the the week is just going to keep on going because we're going to this cos thing tomorrow, and then we got um, a performance ring, and then we're going up to Macclesfield on um, uh, Monday. And thank you to Dom, who's emailed me, and I forwarded that on to Catherine, who's given a list of all the places that we can go and eat in Macclesfield. And we have a backup. If we can't, for whatever reason, if the, um, the, the ghoulies do come out in the pub and they kick me out because of that, um, we can go to Dom's house, which is about five minutes away, and uh, we can use his internet. Uh, you're w- welcome to come for the first hour of the show on Monday night. If you live in Macclesfield, what's it called? The Mace Hill. What's it called? Bait Hall. The Bait Hall, is that it? Bait Hall in Macclesfield. It's a boozer. It's supposedly... I was trying to explain this to my boys today. I said, boys, I can't come trick-or-treating with you on Monday. Um, because I'm going... I'm doing the show in Macclesfield at Britain's most haunted pub. And do you know what they said to me? What's a pub? That was it. That was the question. I saw it's a place where adults go and um, they, they have drinks and food and stuff, but it's it's for adults. Um, and then they said, is it really haunted? And I said, well, the guy that we're going to see is convinced it's haunted. He's convinced there are 12 ghosts there. Um, and we might see them. We might not. Hmm. So that's happening on Monday in Macclesfield. And um, I don't quite know how we're going to do it. Uh, we need to plug into their Wi-Fi box, which in my head I make up is upstairs in the house. I don't know. Maybe they have got a Wi-Fi box downstairs. I don't know. And we just sit in the, the snug and we do the show from there. And uh, we'll be able to take phone calls. Please do phone in. Ed is going to be here um, running the desk and taking the phone calls and doing all of that so do call in on monday please you know please do it be, be, be otherwise otherwise we're buggered um we're going to take calls straight to air for the last hour of the show i'm going to invite Catherine into the studio and um you can call in and do whatever you want let's have a nice relaxed end to the week shall we yeah why not i'm ian lee this is talk radio across the uk online and on dab talk radio for those about to talk we salute you talk radio it's the part of the week where we kind of sit back and relax and just have a chat and you're welcome to chip in or sing a song or do whatever you want down the phone 
After the news, we're going to take calls straight to air. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. George, you're a fanny. There's a voice that keeps on calling me Down the road, it's where I'll always be Every stop I make, I make a new friend Can't stay for long, just turn around and I'm gone again Maybe tomorrow, I wanna settle down Until tomorrow, I'll just keep moving on Down this road, that never seems to end when you adventure lies just around the bend So if you want to join me for a while Just grab your hat, come travel like that's old style Maybe tomorrow I want to settle down Until tomorrow the whole world is my home So let's go to line one. Line one, you're on the wireless. Uh, line one is uh, supposed to be not me, but my little boy, Max. So uh, he's going to come and talk to you right now. I look forward to it. Give me one second. I certainly will. Live on the air. Speak now. Hi. Hey, Max. How you doing, man? Good. What you got for us? Um, oh. not much. I don't really know. Oh. Who's that in the background? What? Who's who's that? Who's that other vo- young voice in the background? Uh, I think it's Harry. Say ha- say Harry, button it. What? Tell him to button it. Button it, Harry. Yeah, button it, Harry. Um, when are you going trick or treating, Max? What day are you doing it? We don't go trick or treating. Why? Um, mum or dad doesn't let us, and also we're in. A- and also, we're in a flat, Manchester City. Uh, your mum and dad. Your mum and dad don't like you. No, they they don't. They don't let us go trick or treating. Oh, okay, okay. They, they do love us. They just don't let us go trick or treating. They love you, but they don't like you. We're not 
Let us go trick or treating. Okay, fine. Um, how do you feel about that? I don't. I don't care. Okay, fair I enough. I don't care. I don't even. Lo- I don't even want to go trick or treating. Why? Why would anyone want want free sweets? Um. Uh, I don't know. Exactly. I just like lollies. I like lollies. Hey, you know when um, like it's like a really hot day. And you go to the ice cream van at the park. Do you yes. get an ice cream or do you get an iced lolly? Ice cream or ice lolly. You I get, don't know. No. Because my boys always go for the lolly, the ice lolly. And I was always... I sometimes go for ice cream, but I, I mostly go for ice lolly. Th- this is it. The, the yeah. ice lolly seems to be the thing these days. When I was a kid, the ice lolly was a bit naff. No one wanted the ice lolly, Max. We all wanted a 99. What's the, um, what's it, what's it called? You'll know this, Catherine. Mm. When it, you've got an ice cream. Yeah. So an ice cream with a flake in is a 99. Yeah. What's it called when you've got an ice cream with an ice lolly stuck in it? That's a that's thing. That's called an um, industrial accident. No, that's a thing. No, that's, it's not. That is a thing. You look, have you seen this, Max? On the side of some ice cream vans, it's an ice cream with an ice lolly stuck in it. Uh, no. Oh. Exactly, I'm with you. Okay. I mean, I don't know what kind of vans you've got where you live. Honestly, it, it's a, it, it is... You're not me in the background. Me? That's, uh, Harry. Gonna, shall I tell her to button it? Hello? I'm still here. Oh, that's a shame. I just don't get it. You don't get what? That... What, huh? what that guy's name is. That guy's name is Harry. No, the person in your background. Yeah, Harry. Can you see your Harry now? Yes. But he's here too. Hello. Harry, button it. Rude. I'm talking to your brother, Max. This is weird. How can he be at two places at a time? Exactly. Halloween. Button it. It's gonna I be... know he's not there. How do you know that? Because he's right here. I can't... Button it. I can't see him there, but I can see him here. That's because you're on the phone. How do I know you're not lying? Aha. Because I can see him right now. No, you can't. I can. He's no, there. Harry, speak. Harry, speak. Hello? Harry, speak. Hey, he's right here. Hello? He's here. <laughs> Get your Harry to say something. Um, say something. Hi. Right, I'll get my Harry to say something, shall I? Hi. See? Exactly the same voice. <laughs> no, it's not. That is weird. It's not the same voice. Can you punch your Harry? Boy. In the arm. Okay. Punch him in the okay. arm. He's going to punch you in the arm. Ow. Right, I'm going to punch my one in the arm. Ow. Yep. <laughs> kick him in the shin. Uh, He's going to kick you in the shin. <laughs> I'm going to kick my Harry in the shin. He said. He said. He only said to. No, I didn't. What are you talking about, Max? Why are you lying? <laughs> no, I didn't. That is libelous, Max. Why I tell you to go and attack another child? Are you crazy? 
I've not done anything! Don't start saying, yeah. saying that word. I'm a DJ. Blimey. Um, well, Max, it's been great talking to you and encouraging you to bully your, um, uh, your, your older brother. <laughs> oh, a little chipmunk there. As a former BBC presenter. As a former Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, you, your dad's play, playing naughty tricks with you. Um, what's he doing up at ten past twelve on a... Ah, it's Friday, isn't it? It's Friday. Um, 0844 Seven pence a minute. Plus, standard networks charge probably a bit more for mobiles. Is that is that it? Is that the spiel? Can I talk normal again now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Who was that? Not, not a clue. And that's kind of what we do on Friday nights, the last hour of the show. Um, we take the calls straight to air. I keep opening my laptop during the show, and it keeps distracting me. And when I close it, I'm more focused. All right. No, no, you can keep yours open. Well, I just it? have to keep a running count, but I'll just make it up. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, 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 I, 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 You're right. It's, it's not going to be every show, but every now and then, I think it's nice just to do a phone-in radio show because mm. that's for me is always the the main essence of what our job is. And the, the Twitter stuff is great at, for drawing people in, and the Periscope, as we know, is brilliant for drawing people in. And we've had new listeners and new callers and people from all around the world who don't know who I am joining us because of Periscope. I'm now on the Periscope VIP program. What does that mean? I'm not sure. Not sure, um, but I've been invited. I've, I'm now in some chat rooms. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I've been invited. I've got this profile now, and I've been invited in some chat rooms by a woman called Lily, who is like the head. She's in America. She's the head of Periscope, um, uh, like social relations. Right. And I'm in these chats with these a guy from Monaco and a guy from. Um, and I said, "Hello, everyone." What is this? And it's basically it's an idea where a place where people hang out and they share ideas mm. about how to use Periscope and stuff. I'm thinking, well, okay. Um, um, Any uh, good ones yet? No, I don't. I don't. I don't like chat rooms. I don't really know what I'm doing there. But but honoured that that you know I received an email saying you are one of Britain's leading Periscopers. Whoa, you speak of my language. You speak of my language. I, I am happy with that. Line, um, the lines are just flashing, and I'm going to pick them as and when I feel like it. Line six, you're on the wireless. Oh, the plane tastes like food. <laughs> I've not played this with my boys. How funny. Are they in the bath? Sounds like it. Tastes like food. This is brilliant. That's good, isn't it? Loads of people have been playing. I've not tried Taste it on my like kids food. yet. Loads of people. It's weird because I don't get why it was funny. Because of Leslie. It's up as a podcast. If you go to Acast or iTunes or, 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 or Pocket Cast or any of those places, you can find it. Um, and it is, it's only about 16 minutes long, I think. It is. <laughs> 16 minutes. 16 minutes of pure. That's what I mean. Of pure. I was listing food to an old man. Um. 
and I, I can't. I, 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 I'm honestly surprised that people. You know, I thought it was just going to be us on the thing, on the show that we're laughing at it, but everyone seems to love it. It's on. Um, I don't know if I put it up on YouTube actually, but you can you can download the podcast and find the uh, podcast. Oh eight four 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 nine nine one thousand is the telephone number. You won't speak to Catherine or Emma. You just call up and uh, me and Kath will sit here and chat and when fancy grabs me I shall pick a line between 1 and 10 and put you on the air Uh, the phones are quite busy tonight but do do keep um, calling 0844 499 this is Talk Radio Late Night Ian Lee on Talk Radio we'll get you talking call straight to air for the last 45 minutes of the week 0844 499 1000 Killer clown, pedos alert. Wow. They've brought pedos into it. Pervs in prank disguises. I've been, I love the killer clown story because it's not... It's well, not, oh. someone's been um, arrested oh. in connection with a stabbing that happened and concerned a woman wearing a clown mask. But that's not the same thing as a killer no. clown. No, no. Pedos could dress as killer clowns well, to prey on children this Halloween. Right. Spot the obvious mistake there. Um, because kids will not go anywhere near. Killer clown. No. So they want to dress up like... A, if pedos... Surely pedos could dress up as bunnies mm. this week in an attempt to lure kids into um, wicked sex games. Because kids... Or if you dress up as Mickey Mouse... Pedos could... Dress up as Mickey Mouse. Yeah, my kids are terrified of clowns. Yeah, of course they are. Why would they? Why would any clowns? Never mind killer clowns. This is the most made-up story. It, this is—it's a made-up story about a made-up story. Do you know what really disappoints me? Mm-hmm. It's kind of an important charity doing important work, well, buying into this nonsense. Well, they're just looking at getting. They're headlines. trying to get current. I know, but it's just ugh. charities are worried the sinister costume mania will reach its peak in the next few days. <laughs> A spokeswoman for the NSPCC, oh, right, said, We fear the recent creepy clown craze, which hasn't actually happened and is a myth made up by um, the newspapers, could see Halloween used as an opportunity to molest, intimidate or harm children. Creepy clowns are all trick and no treat. Oh, NSPCC. Um, The warning came... Oh eight four 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 nine nine one thousand. By the way, the warning came after police shut down five schools following a torrent of social media posts about killer clowns wielding baseball bats mm. in Scotland. Any pictures? Ho- hoaxes, then. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what kids will do. Yeah, I remember. What was the, we had? Um, we had something like that when we were at school. Mm. There was there was a rumor going around. Uh, there's a rumor going around, and I don't know what it was. A spokesman for West Lothian Council denied the incident was linked to the sinister pranks but said it stemmed from threatening phone calls. Um, The NSPCC, and this is where the newspapers should hang their heads in shame. The NSPCC revealed that in the past three weeks its child line had been called 462 times by children terrified of creepy jokers. Yep. Well, that's the papers' fault. That's the newspapers that have done that because the creepy clowns do not exist. There's probably been about three in America, and that's it. 
And I saw a creepy clown costume when I was down, going down Oxford Street. You know, they have those weird um, um, naff shops yeah, that I sell. Yeah, I saw that. Did you see it? There's a t shirt that said something like, You don't like clowns or something. No, 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 Everyone's buying into it now, but it's kind of a self self perpetuating thing. Yes, line five. You're on the wireless. Uh huh. Now, here's a, 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 a thing. We'll play the Francis Rossi interview out next week. Mm-hmm. It's on the quo. Um, and we may have missed a trick. Um, because, well, according to, to The Sun, Britain's greatest newspaper. The best. It's over for the quo. Rick Parfit. It's quover. That's better than what they've gone for. Rick rocking all over. Rock veteran Rick Parfit has quit status quo for good. Parf now, quit. Now it's interesting um, that because you'll hear in the interview when I speak to, to Francis Rossi about it, it must be weird not being on, you know, not doing the interviews and not being on the stage with Rick. He went, well, doing the interviews it's fine because I'm I'm the best at doing the interviews and uh, and on the stage we've got some new young band members in and it's a bit of work and we've had to work a bit harder and it sounds really good. And I thought, oh. That's not the line I was expecting about, oh, I miss my mate and um, it's going to be weird without him, but we're going to get on with it and do our very best. Mm, he didn't seem that bothered, did he? It didn't seem that bothered. And then you read the story. Rock veteran Rick Parfit has quick stati- quit status quo for good. The rocking all over the world guitarist, 68, has officially called time on his involvement in the band after almost 50 years. It follows a heart attack in June, during which he died for several minutes. Rick won't take part in the Quo's final run of electric shows this year, after which they will only perform acoustic gigs. Asked if he would asked if he would return, Rick said, no, I don't think I want to. Now, he's recently left his third wife as well, hasn't he? And he's obviously had a heart attack. And so in my head, I'm making up all kinds of stories about... Well, it's too late for 68, it's too late for a midlife crisis. But um, that's weird, isn't it? It is yeah. weird, and it kind of, and we didn't, we, we just, uh, when we were talking to, to Francis Rossi, it was, it was assumed that Rick Parfit was a, him leaving was a temporary measure, but um, it, that if that's true, that kind of makes what he says make a bit more sense. Yeah, and remember, we were briefed not to delve too much about what was going on with Rick in his private life, weren't we? But we thought that they just meant about his marriage that to break up, but that's nobody's business anyway. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? Oh, we've got our silent friend back. Yes? Whenever you see a 
line seven but it was it, what i did here was terrifying yes, and that is why i'm getting cremated late night ian lee on talk radio we have ways of making you talk oh eight four 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 nine nine one thousand i suddenly come over very very, very tired indeed. I'm exhausted, actually. It's been a long... Um, well, I had the, 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 the boys. So I got to... I got um, home about two. And I didn't take one of the pills. It's not a sleeping tablet. One of the pills that helps me sleep. Because I knew that if I did, I'd be groggy when the boys woke me up. So then I couldn't sleep. So then I'm lying in bed until about half three. And I think they came in just before seven. Oh. To show me their new Lego, uh, and you you have to be enthusiastic. You don't. Um, it's good I, that you are. I'm not, but... see, I'm not seeing them all week because I've been working and stuff. I'm yeah. not seeing them all week, so it was nice to see them. Um, and uh, what did we do today? Oh, we oh we ended up spending about hundred quid on fireworks. Wow. Yeah, cause I went to the garden centre instead of Tesco. Should have gone to Tesco. And um, last year was the first year I'd, I'd ever lit fireworks because I'd always been told never. My parents, we, we, my parents had had fireworks one year, maybe two years when I was like five and six. But we always sort of like, store bought fireworks. Oh, they're always which, pony, weren't but, they? Yeah, they were always. But the ones I got last year I spent about sixty quid, and they were brilliant. You can get them now, then they are like all in one box, and they yeah. set each other off. Yeah, it's yeah. like a display. Uh, well, but I like the the fun of walking up there and doing it and I running know you back. Do. Um, but we did it last year, and we, I spent sixty quid, and we saved just under half of them for the boys' birthday in January. Birthdays in January, and they were brilliant. Well, we went. I went a little bit nuts to, this time. I did spend a bit more, but I handed a couple back once I got the the, the full thing. But um, hundred quid, big this big one called the keg. Oh, blimey! It's like a big old keg. Um, and it'll probably be a bit of rubbish. No, it won't. It'll be good. It will be good. Um, so we're going to do that on sun, uh, Sunday next week because they're going to like a fireworks display on the Saturday. So we'll do that on the Sunday and then we'll save some of them for um, the birthdays in January. And it's fun. It's fun. It's very um, uh, uh, empowering lighting a rocket. Lighting a rocket. 
wow. Because I was such a good boy. I never did the thing of, of you know, throwing bangers, bangers. at people and, and all of that stuff. And part of me wishes I, I had done that stuff as a young uh, young man. Of course, it, it, it's... Very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. You've got to keep them in that tin with a torch. Well, I haven't got a... T- well, I, the, the, well, the instructions. The instructions are quite good. You've got to bury them. So you've got to bury like half of them so they don't take off. Mm. Um... Um, which would be um, disappointing. Line eight, you're on the wireless. Hello, Ian. Hello, Jerry. I'm stuck on the floor. Oh, man, what happened? I've had a bad day. You've on d- the carpet. Say that again, man. I'm on the carpet. Go, you're on the carpet? I'll go rest it up. I'll go rest it up in a bit. How did you get on the carpet? You fell out of the chair or fell out of the bed? Try and get, try and get to the bathroom. Oh, mate. Um... Have you, not got, have you not got... Is there no one that can come and help you? She will do. I'll bang. Can we ring someone? Oh, oh I'll just ring this number. After. All right. You'll, you'll come get the phone. I'm with an idol singing on that song, just... Is, is there anything we can do to help, Jerry? Is there anyone we can call? Yeah, we'll put the phone down and we'll ring up now. Hang on. Hello. Hello. Yeah, Jerry. Is there anyone that we can call? Yeah, just ring this number. W- w- well, but well, I'll hang up and the number. Yeah. But all right. But how are you? Who's going to come and help you? Carers. And they know about. They know that you're on the floor, do they? No, on the floor. Do they know you're on the floor? They don't. Right, let's ring. How, how, can, have you got? Have you got their number so we can call it's them? Fine. They'll pick it's up. It's in the the Karen's. It's Karen's phone. Oh, okay. All right. Let me do it now. All right then. That's nice. Don't worry, Joe. So if we're going to give you a call back, all right? Okay. We'll sort you out. Don't worry. Thanks, mate. I'm going to hang up. You put the fo- oh, no. I'm going to wait till you put the phone down before I cut you off. He's gone. All right. For those of you who don't know, Jerry's got Parkinson's and um, sounds like he's having a tough old night, doesn't he? Don't worry, we can call... Uh, but I, but I didn't realise if we call back, it goes through to the, the care home, the care home, pick it up, and um, we can send them um, to go and pick him up. And silly sausage. A long... Just when you think that no more Beatles memorabilia can um can appear some more beatles memorabilia has appeared this is brilliant i love this a long lost letter john lennon wrote to the queen when he returned his mbe has been found in a record sleeve (gasps) wow imagine and valued at sixty thousand pounds the November 1969 note is thought to be a draft of one sent by the late Beatle. The record hiding it was bought at a car boot sale 20 years ago. Imagine that. Imagine you, you pop open the record and there's a letter from John Lennon in it. Signed with the name of Lennon's PR firm, Bag Productions, the note was valued at a Beatles event in Liverpool yesterday. It says, Your Majesty, I'm returning this MBE in protest 
against Britain's involvement in the Nigeria Biafra thing, against our support of America in Vietnam, and against cold turkey slipping down the charts. With love, John Lennon. Found in a record. Blimey. Are you raising your eyebrows then? Would you raise your eyebrows? No, I wasn't. I wasn't. I was thinking about the conversation I've just had with the carer. Oh, yeah. Is everything right? Well, uh, if Jerry, if you're listening, once you're all right, would you just let us know, please? Oh. Yeah. They were a bit reluctant, were they? They weren't reluctant. She seemed a little bit confused. I had to tell, him, tell her the name about four times. Oh, it's truth. So, as I say, Jerry, if you're listening, just let us know you're all right. I'm going to ask a question that I think is pertinent. Yeah. Uh, how was the grasp of the English language? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. It's weird, that, isn't it? Um, and this is why one reason why everybody who voted Brexit is an idiot. Um, this is just one reason. Because all the carers in my mum's home are Polish. They're all Polish. There's a couple of Japanese girls because they have this weird kind of um, uh, thing where they, they, they give like boards to, to Japanese students if they come and sort of work there on a part-time basis. But... Um, Without, I think maybe, I, 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 there are about 30% of the people at my mum's care home are, are, are British, you know, uh, and the rest are Polish. And uh, it really worries me, two things, worries me, A, that, you know, we might kick all these people out. Brilliant, nice one. Who's going to wipe my mum's backside? Um, but also the grasp of English that they have at my mum's care home is generally excellent. Mm-hmm. Generally excellent, right? And it does... I, I think it has to be, and I think it should be kind of um, a standard test because you're dealing with people like Jerry. I can't always understand what no. Jerry's saying. If Jerry's had a bad day, I couldn't really hear a lot of what he was saying. Yeah, I did, and I, I did, and I, and I also knew this, this right. thing that happens. Well, you when know the thing about back, the phone, so I don't yeah, know that exactly. Um, but I struggle to understand Jerry sometimes when he's had a tough day. Um, so, how, how would someone who struggles with the English language? Yeah. You know, if they're struggling to understand you, how the hell are they going to understand Jerry or my mum? You know, you can't speak to my mum after about five in the afternoon because she starts slurring. It was also the thing was, I was slightly concerned that she didn't seem that familiar with the clients' names. And that, you know, and that's not her fault. It's just a sign of the way things are sometimes in these oh, homes. Oh, you've reminded me. I've, I've been meaning all week to sort out my um, my mum's money and stuff in terms of how much she's paying. And okay. we, I need to make a claim. And, and it's still that. But um, I, I, it, you, you do kind of... Th- I do kind of think that people in care homes... And, and I, I don't want to go on Nick Ferrari, but doctors and nurses should be able to speak English hey, and understand English. I may be misjudging the whole thing. She had a very strong accent yep. and... Um, you know, maybe I wasn't. I told you we had an Indian doctor who completely misdiagnosed my youngest when he was. It turns out he was very seriously ill. And had to go and have an operation on his kidney when he was still, I don't know, eighteen months. Um, uh, and he completely misdiagnosed him. He was a prat, and he took a phone call during the consultation. And we came out, and me and my wife went, "I'm not buying that. I think we should go to A and E." And I'm glad we did because it saved his life. Um, and we groaned when we went in and we saw it was him because we had him before and we couldn't understand what you're saying. He had such a thick Indian accent, you know. And I've spent time over in Pakistan and India, and I've listened, uh, you know, and I've, I've, you know, I understand a lot of thick Indian accents, uh, uh, but I couldn't understand a word he was saying. Mm. You're right, Jerry. They don't call me. They're still discussing me in the corridor. They're discussing you in the corridor, are they? Yeah. What are they saying? Troublemaker. I 
I'm struggling to understand you tonight, Jerry, and, uh, and I'm sure you can understand why because you, 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 you're tired. Um, yeah. Are they coming in? Can you turn me off now, Gershon? I'm gone. Well. Uh, God, they're quick, aren't they? Good. Yeah, fucking hell, they're cardiac. Nice carpet, though. Yeah, what? Describe the carpet to us, Jerry. What can you see? It's kind of brown. It's got a damp patch on it now. Oh. <laughs> well, what's under the bed? Anything? Me. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I suppose. Was it? Is it a two-man operation to get you up? Have they got to put you in a hoist? Yeah, we're swinging everything. Yeah, it takes. It takes yeah. a while. It takes a while to to. Oh, well, that's good. All right, right they've okay. got they the equipment. They know it's you, then. That's, I was a bit worried okay, about it's that. Squishing down. It's squishing down the corridor. Good. It's exciting, this. <laughs> Spent many time on the floor. Session one. Ian? Yeah, say that again, Jerry. Session one spent time on the she floor. She doesn't now. She doesn't now, because when she's in the wheelchair, she's strapped in, and when she's in the bed, she's they have the, the, the sides of the bed up. And she doesn't, you know, they, she she's unable to even try and get out of the bed anymore. So, um, but she did when she was at home. Yeah, she did, and um, she would wet herself or she would defecate everywhere. And I would get a phone call and I would go and, you know, I would travel an hour to go and clean it up, you know. And um, in the morning, yeah. Well, I would, I would try and go at night time. In the end, the the ambulance service kept coming out, and they said, "Look, we can't keep coming out." That's what happened to me. Yeah. Every night. And all the paramedics by first name. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the, the, the paramedics knew, knew my mum by first name, and they said we... You said the system, but you've got no other option. Mm. Have, they, have they come uh, in yet? No. Uh, where have they gone? We can wait. It's what life's like in the care room. Mm. You still on respite? Yeah, I've been here almost a year. Mm. Maybe someone else fell out before you, and there is um, there's a queue system. Epidemic, triage. Did I? Can I hear someone in the background? Yeah. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Imagine, Jerry, if they came in and they murdered you. <laughs> no, imagine. And they didn't know he was on the phone and we heard it. And then you just hear Jerry be murdered and then you hear a voice pick up the phone and go, Hello? That's a cheery thought, isn't it, Jerry? Well. Happy Halloween. Hey, what are they, hey, what are they speak to me like? I've got a experience. Someone I want to wait until I hear them come in. How did you dial our number? Have you got our number on speed dial or something? I don't remember this in my head. I can't ring this number because it's the same number. Yeah. So I can't, can't ring the... So I 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 can't
They're taking their time, but it does involve a couple of people and a big piece of equipment. So, uh, you know, but still, you would think someone would come in and say, we're just getting uh, uh, someone else and a big piece of equipment. It's amazing, isn't it? Imagine this was your dad. Do you know what I mean? Or your brother or your son. Flipping. I don't feel framing on the floor. Mm. I'm facing a pillow. Yeah. She's always on. Are there a lot of people upstairs, Jerry? Because I said, you know, Jerry upstairs, and she seemed a little bit confused. She couldn't get you mixed up, could she? She's agency. Mm. That's it. They don't know, do they? Uh, That's what I was worried about. We've got 20 minutes yet. I'm in no rush. No. It's all right. Podcast will be interesting. (laughs) We spoke to Glenn Berger, who's an author who wrote a brilliant book about um, working in a recording studio in the 1970s. I went to one. He was good. We the sp- 80s. Are they coming in? No, I went oh. to a recording studio in the 80s. You did say that again? I went to a recording studio in the did 80s. Did you? Yeah, I recorded. Steve Craddock out there. Ocean Core Scene. <laughs> oh, that was your fault, was it? <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> this guy worked with um, Jagger and, and Dylan and stuff. He's fascinating. It's a really good book. Oh, it's a Here we go. This sounds closer. Hang on, let's have a listen. Confusing, Joe. We're with you, mate. if you want Jerry but we I'm happy to sit here for the next 10 minutes or so
What's going on, Jerry? Are they moving you? They're whispering. What? Doing? Are they in? The, are they in the room with you? Outside the door. Flipping heck! Cleaning the wheelchair. Mm. Jerry, did I hear right earlier on which you were saying she was looking for Jerry like over the road or something? Yeah. She didn't know you were Jerry. Jerry's been with Lane. Ah. <laughs> oh well, we can forgive her for that then. What does she know me as that? Oh, they know you as that though. So if they're agency, they will have just looked down the list, I'm guessing. Where are, they, where are they now, Jerry? They're in the room or outside the room? This is taking the piss. It doesn't take this long to get someone up off the floor and clean them up and get them back into bed. Is that them coming back, Jerry? 
if you're wondering why we're sticking with this, two reasons. A, because we've got souls. And B, because this could be your mum or your dad or your brother or your son or or your sister or you. And this is unbelievable. And I know an F-bomb drop fell out earlier on, but I I apologise if anyone was offended. I'm saying that because I have to say it, but I know you won't be offended. Jerry, you're right. Jerry, you're right. Are they there? Jerry? Yeah, have they are you still on the floor? Yeah. Yeah. She's walked off. Okay. Where have they gone? Did she give you the buzzer? Yes. How many How many people were there? Three of them, and you're still on the floor. Yeah, cool and fresh. Yes, we all took When this has happened before, is it? Does it normally take this long, Jerry? How many people does it take to put you up? Two. Two. (sighs) On a lighter note, Jerry, when you get an ice cream with a lolly stuck in it, it's called a Popeye. It, I don't know if that makes you feel any better knowing that. It certainly, I certainly feel a little bit better being reminded of that. Papa, I remember funny feet. Remember oh, funny, funny feet? feet I used to like a funny foot. I was banned from big feasts because I always ended up wearing them. You can still oh, get feasts. You can still get the feasts. You can't get, I don't think you can get the funny feet. Oh, I so. think you can. Can you get funny feet? Mm. Really? Why on earth would they get rid of them? Cause, well, because people are idiots. That's why. Why people are absolute idiots. What's happening, Jerry? Nothing. No. I'm just chilling out on the carpet. Gosh. Where's my bow? Got my bow. <laughs> and what's the point of the bell? They know you're on the floor, don't they? Yeah. It's a bell. I 
That'd be so about it's nice, isn't it? Jerry, right, Jerry, what we're going to do, I, c- I can't listen to this. No. We need to, can we, do you, can we, can we not call 101 or something and get someone around there? Because this is outrageous. Well, tell you what we need to do then. This is outrageous. We need to take you off air, take the name of the care home and then we phone 101. How about Would that? you be all right if we did that, Jerry? Uh, I make life uncomfortable. It'll make life uncomfortable, would it? Do you want yeah. Catherine... Um, to phone the care home back again and and l- let them know that we've been listening to you on national radio. Yeah. Are you worried that that might make things a bit uncomfortable? In the short term, it might. What would you like us to do, Jerry? Right, right. This is what I'm, I'm going to make an executive decision, Jerry. If you don't mind, Catherine is going to phone up um, and ask. We won't mention her on the radio, okay? That we've got that as our little ace, ace up our sleeve. She's going to go and phone up and ask why you're still on the floor, yeah. um, and um, say that we want this sorted out immediately. Would you be okay if we did that for you? Yeah. 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 Right. All right. I'm on it. We're going to do that. And then we're going to stick around after the show. So give us give us a call back in about five minutes, yeah? Try. Uh, try. All right, buddy. Can I hear you put... I need to hear you put the phone down. Yeah. Don't worry, take your time. Can you get the phone? Can you hang up on the phone, Jerry? We need it so that you so that you can call us back. Try and hang up, dude. This is Ian Lee. We're, Jerry's on um, on talk radio. Uh, we, we, how long is it going to take to get him um, up and cleaned and in his bed? Uh, I'm sorry. What's who am I speaking to? You're speaking to Ian Lee on talk radio. How long is it going to take to get Jerry up and cleaned and up into his bed again? This isn't really an appropriate conversation. No, I know. He's been on the floor for half an hour. I just wondered when he was. He's hung up on me. He's hung up on me. He's hung up on me.